Welcome to Following the Leftovers, the officially unofficial podcast for the leftovers on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And we're talking today about season three, episode eight, the series finale of the leftovers called The Book of Nora. Uh man, man, what an excellent wrap up for this this show. Uh at least I, think, I thought so. I, that's what I'm saying. Like I so I <laughs> um and also one last time, well maybe Another time. Uh, special thanks to Michael Narawaki, Narawaki for uh, donating us the awesome booze we've been drinking this season. Yeah. And for sure, uh, this is a finale worthy of getting at the good stuff. I'm drinking the McAllen. Um, the the Balvenie. The Balvenie. Doublewood. Yeah. Um, I, it might not be a surprise, I'm not fully settled in my thoughts about... Um, Okay, and I think it probably means something. And and I've got I also uh, divided the feedback into negative takes and positive takes. And I would say the positive outweighs the negative two to one. Okay, which is a clear majority, but it's actually uh, a little bit more divisive than I guess I thought it would be after I first watched it. Um, yeah, cause I, mean, I think thinking back to like you know some of the feedback we've had and some uh-huh. of the trepidation a lot of people had about the right. possible outcomes of this show i guess i'm not super surprised by that right. but man i really enjoyed it um and and i think it's i think it's the perfect ending to the leftovers mm-hmm. i i but what i'm struggling to understand myself is did i enjoy it as much as the the one two episode punch of last season's finale um, I think this makes the series more complete, and it fully elaborate illuminates what Lindelof and Parada were trying to say with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it probably means something to everybody different. But I, I understand how it could leave some people, I don't know, not as uh, you know emotionally invested as they were in the previous season. I had one emailer ask me, as great as this season was, was it really worth having a third season? Okay. You know, did it add anything new to our appreciation of the universe or understanding of the characters to have a third season? And I don't know how to answer that. Like, if you like a steak, mm-hmm. is there more utility in eating another steak once you've had one or two? Okay. You know, uh, like it's going to be the same experience. You might, there might be a slightly different flavor or there might be cooked better or worse, but you know, mm-hmm. you're essentially repeating the same thing because it's pleasurable and enjoyable to go through the process itself. And yeah, I mean, I, I can understand that point of view. I think for me, uh, it's a resounding yes. Mm-hmm. I'm super glad we got a third season. Yeah. Uh, I, I might be singing the exact opposite tune if I felt disappointed at the end of this. Right. Um, and I think there were some moments along the road where I was less than than thrilled with it. Um, I, I'm not sure how I feel about season three versus season two yet. I need to give it a little bit of time, and I think we're going to do a wrap-up podcast for this show. So Yeah, we are doing a wrap because cause I, I haven't read hardly any outside material because I was listening over the weekend to Damian Lindelof, Damon Lindelof with uh, – on the watch podcast. And he said to Andy and Chris, that I hope that you guys before you, you watch the episode and like spend a day or two with it before you go and fill your mind with outside opinions. Yeah. Um, 
I roughly did that. And I, I, I made a point to do that. I stayed off the forums. I stayed off mm-hmm. Reddit. I, the, only, the first time I got an outside opinion is I just asked you whether you liked it or not yesterday. And that's yeah. literally all, all we talked about. And then when I opened up the mailbag and started looking at people's opinions uh, early this morning. So um, if for nothing else, Lindelof went and did a goddamn press tour from what I can tell yeah, and spilled a lot of ink about what he thinks. I hope he didn't spill too much. I can't imagine a person that would uh, keep it still impressively ambiguous to, to the end would go and like clear up all of that intentional confusion. But I don't know. Yeah. About- so I, I read a bunch of that stuff. So I went um, well, last yourself, night and this I'm morning. Save it till next week. Well, I, I went last night and this morning, and I read, um, like, stuff on Vox and stuff on Vulture. Um, they did, like, this exhaustive – like, I didn't get through even half of it, probably. Yeah. It's just a massive article on the making of Season 3. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the kind of thing you can do when you've seen seven episodes two months ago. And you've and got, when you're on set with them filming yeah, 16 uh-huh. months ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I'm, I'm fucking green with jealousy right now. Yeah, so – but I always felt like – even when Lindelof was talking about the final moments of this show and his, you know, how they were forming um, the ideas for this season and that final moment in particular, uh, he left it very ambiguous as to, you know, the question that we're probably going to talk about the most, which is, is Nora telling the truth Mm -hmm. Um, to Kevin there at the end? He left it fairly ambiguous. Like he Mm -hmm. talks about the process of coming up with that. um, Mm -hmm. But I don't think he tells you what to think about it necessarily. Well, and I feel like there's a lot of frustration about people really taking hardline ideas about whether Nora lied or whether Nora took, told the truth. And to yeah. me, I just smile when I read both sides arguing back and forth because that's the entire mm-hmm. point of this whole freaking show. And yeah. it, the emotional connection I made um, is, you know, I, I've talked I've talked a lot about this podcast, about my religious upbringing, how I was 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 raised in this very uh, strict um, fundamentalist cult, Christian cult. Uh, And I didn't leave until I was 32 years old. But -hmm. if I'm being honest with myself, I had my very first doubts in like high school. Like I I can remember when I read 1984 for the first time in in honors English. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm actually in this book. Uh And your mind just shoves it down, like because it's you're just not prepared to deal with what that affected of the worldview would have on you. And and over the course of many many years, um, like just doubts would trickle in, and you'd shove them down, and doubts would trickle in, and you'd shove them down. Um, And then you get to this. Finally, there's um, whatever potential for action triggers in your brain, and the, the jig is up. And and when you go through that, you can't help but think. My God, how much of my life have I wasted with this bullshit? Sure. Um, over half my, like, like at the entirety of my life when I finally did it. Um, but, you know, even if I, if I lived, lived to a ripe old age, at least a third of my life would have been spent on what I now consider a complete waste of time. Right. Uh, and when, you know, Nora is talking about how she shut herself off from the world for this mistaken belief that no one believed her, that it was too late... And it, what like that's just so profoundly sad and yet hmm. profoundly hopeful and happy uh, that that her and Kevin could find each other after all these issues and all this time and all this pain. Yeah, um, that's the thing that really moved me uh, in this episode. Just that connection that I had, and you know, some some gentleman 
who was not feeling the season and especially the finale, <clears throat> asked me, <laughs> essentially, despite all of the emotional things and the connection I have with the show, could I just please be objective and say that the <laughs> no. show sucks? And no, I'm like, fuck that's off. Just, that's not how it works, <laughs> no. man. That's not how it works. Like you to to tell me that you would have to live your life in my shoes right. and get to this moment and then tell me whether he, you could be objective about he's it. He's basically Nora going around uh, taking everybody's taking photos of, of dead relatives and posting them under the pillar. Like yeah, yeah, taking the beach balls away. That that's and, just not possible. And I'm very very sorry to everyone that was let down by this finale or in this season at all like i really like i'm not even making fun i feel bad because i've been the fan that's been disappointed Mm. i've been the minority that doesn't understand why the majority think and it makes it even worse because you want you know you're the you're you're the the orphans outside this dickinson mansion with your with your nose pressed against the glass seeing everybody happy and 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 sharing food and presents and warmth and love and you're out in the cold and why and fuck those people but that happens sometimes it doesn't mean the show's bad and just because we think the show's awesome it doesn't mean the show is universally great I sure a lot of people don't like it. for my money. Um, I don't think I need another week to think that I this has certainly overtaken the wire for my favorite television show of all time. Yeah, I've been wrestling with that question. Like, what do I think of this in um, in retrospect as a whole? Which I'm not going to go on record right now. I think I'm going to wait and give it another week to mm-hmm. to stew a little bit. Maybe think about try try and get a little distance from it because right. you know I have so much distance from like The Wire or Breaking Bad right. that I don't. I don't feel like it's fair to declare this as the best show of all time for me. Um, but it what, is certainly that, in the running. I mean, that says something. That's why I say it's it's my favorite. And yeah, I yeah. feel like the I've Wire, always said that about Breaking Bad too. The Wire is probably more important. Sure, yeah. Um, but I don't know because dealing with grief and tragedy and finding empathy for others, mm-hmm. even if you think they're ridiculous, is a very useful life skill. Yeah. That would apply to a lot of geopolitical and domestic strife mm-hmm. if we would just think about it a bit. So I don't even know that it's less important than The Wire. Um, and maybe also I've taken the lessons that the, the you know, The Wire really changed my politics. Um, the Leftovers kind of reaffirmed my cockeyed optimist look in the world. It didn't change me so much. But so it's like, I, I guess I don't think it's as important, but, you know. Maybe if you're in a different place in life or if this, this you know, really helped you dealing – because I wasn't dealing with the current tragedy when I started watching it. It was all this, like, echoes of grief that it that it brought up. If you were going through something current, then I could easily see how, you know, it would be the best, favorite, most important thing you've ever seen. Sure. And I think, you know, the uh, so – I yeah I have no problem giving it like I it's it's in fact I think it's a pretty steep it's a pretty steep drop off for me it's like the leftovers the the wire Mad Men a pretty significant drop off to then like Breaking Bad and and the rest of the the, the pantheon huh, okay. um, because I think you know Breaking Bad is enjoyable and a fun and as masterful as it is it didn't have all of the heart that the other three that I just mentioned and all of the importance and just the super tight, super tight plotting because um, I don't know what, because I think the thing that's brilliant about this Nora situation is at the end of the day, you can, you can, you can list in columns of why you think she's a liar and why you think she's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, there are problems with both sides of the stories because we're given an incomplete set of information. 
Sure. And you have to ask yourself, do you believe Nora? Yeah. Did you believe Kevin because you saw with your own eyes what he was going through? Uh, if you had not seen that and just Kevin came back and casually mentioned that he had risen from the dead three times and just told you the story with a straight face, would you believe him? Right. And if not, why did you believe him when you saw it? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like, great reasons to not, you know, like I'm not trying to throw the scientific method out, but I feel like that's the core. <laughs> that's the core of this whole this whole experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's I don't want to reduce it to a litmus test about whether you're a believer or not, because there was I've, I've seen, you know, on on uh, in the feedback, there's t- people that profess to be atheists that were believers. And there's people that profess to be Christians that said Nora was lying full of shit. So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't so. break break down in, in strict quote unquote party lines for sure no do you um, think Laura, Nora was telling the truth no okay but my uh, so much of it is based on what we do see which uh-huh. is her in in this ball thing filling with water and mm. what I think she's about to shout is stop and, and so I funny. firmly believe that she's about to shout that now I don't know if they even stop like uh-huh. if she shouts it can they stop it do they stop it right. I don't know maybe she goes through almost unwillingly at that point yeah. but um, well, it's possible she did go through, but my belief is no. And what and I I kind of agree with you, but I'm a little bit more nebulous about it because I find it interesting that people broke down like the 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 case for Nora lying seems like that we observe her take a deep breath and start to shout something with an S sound, mm-hmm. um, and people then. Forget the fact that they're surmising that she then said stop, and they right. just treat that as if it's fact, and then base that on the rest of their analysis on that one. But that's that's a you know you are you you are leaving the bounds of science. You cannot say with accuracy that she was about to say stop, or as you said, even if she did, that they would have the ability to stop the procedure at that moment, and or if they even would, yeah, you know, like. Well, let's just do it anyway. <laughs> right. And, you know, the fact is, like, there's bigger questions such as it could be that everything after she takes a gasp and says and it goes to black is her version of the International Assassin Hotel mm-hmm. uh, and her making peace with her final moments uh, because she's been vaporized and dead. And there's I don't think there's anything to contradict that version of events and in fact there's a lot of things that it's got going for it like for, for example and i love the fact that this goes back episodes and calls into question things like did Lori die mm-hmm. like i was one of the ones that like i'm pretty sure she was dead but it also wouldn't shock me if she gets down to the and she's diving and she's in all this natural beauty and she's she's got the, the jill and tommy's thoughts echoing in her head if she's like you know what this is stupid this is stupid. I've got a lot to live for. I'm going to go back up and go back to Melbourne and take the first flight home and be rid of all these crazy people. Yeah. Um, you were one of the hardliners. What's your interpretation of Lori being alive? Uh, I, I actually think it betrays that episode pretty hardcore, and I wish they had not made her a comeback. But you understand the reason having her in there is another uncertainty because you only think that because you're sure that the future is actually happening and it's not some death fantasy that Lori's have, uh, that Nora's having. So you're talking about all the stuff when she's older in Australia yeah. is just a complete fantasy? Yeah. Uh, sure, but what is that? I mean, where, A, where's the proof for that? If you want me there to give none. proof, where's the proof for that? And I guess like, 
is that satisfying? I mean, like, I, I guess if you're inclined to go down that road, then why? Is it satisfying? Like, like I said that I said last episode, it doesn't matter to me at this point whether Kevin gets back with Nora because he learned something important about himself. Sure, and that's enough. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't like you ask me. So, like, if this episode, the first scene shows Kevin with a big smile on his face, stepping on a street in front of Melbourne, forgetting they drive on the wrong side of the road. Uh, see what I did there as an American, wrong side of the road, mm-hmm. uh, and he gets ran over by a bus. You could go back and be like, aha, do you change your story, Aaron? Because now he's not able to do anything with that knowledge. And no, it's still like self-discovery is is, is important. Um, even if you – there's nothing you can do. Like if it's the last moments of your life, you have a, a profound insight about yourself that still has value. So if Nora is actually dying throughout the entire half of this episode, I don't know what it takes away of her coming to peace and, and coming to grips with her relationship yeah, with I don't, Kevin. And, I don't think it takes away anything. Um I guess my question would be, why go down that road? Why go down any of these roads, man? Uh, because they're showing us something, and uh, I suppose I'm more inclined to believe that what they're showing us is real than not. But that's – it's funny because I think you've made that conscious choice. This, this goes back to our discussion about how we're approaching this show, whether we believe in the supernatural Why, why would you don't. say that anything actually happened in this series then? Well, I mean, why wouldn't you go all the way back to the sudden departure and say everyone was actually raptured and this is all in Nora's head? It's not an invalid take. <laughs> okay. Um, but why do you lend less, I guess, so uh, I think credence that, to that than you would what to I've, now this I is the moment where I, it I don't. I, this okay. is my personal interpretation. Um, and I think that, um, you know, clearly I've got things I based it on and I that I've, I've got the, the language of cinema and what. Uh, I think uh, Lindelof and Parada were trying to get at here, but I, I, I don't. What I think is beautiful instead, because I don't. Whether I came down on believing Nora or not believing Nora, or kind of being agnostic like I am, uh, I think the point of it is it says something about yourself how you react to this series, and that oh, sure. self knowledge you gain is a value, mm-hmm. regardless of whether it's true in the show's universe or not. Yeah, and I think a lot of the the reasons that I go toward Nora is lying is because of it's very similar to the way I felt about Lori, which is why I feel like this is a betrayal. But I felt like that whole episode was built around the idea that Lori was going to commit suicide yeah. and going to kill herself. Thematically, a lot of the dialogue um, seemed to seem to have direct relation to it. She seemed to say all her goodbyes. Uh, I feel like it's a big betrayal there, and I feel like the same is true of this episode. There's a lot of stuff thematically around Nora say, where she says, I don't lie, and then that's proven false. But she's lied this throughout nun. this whole series. Right, she's been lying to herself forever. And others. So, yeah. so like this idea that she doesn't lie is, uh-huh. is foolish. She doesn't let other people lie, uh-huh. I feel, but she forgives her own lies, right. you know, which is a tendency for everybody, I think. Yeah. But like the the language of the episode very much to me said – this is this is Nora lying again, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know. I mean, that's where I'm coming from. Um, but I, I was definitely Kevin... absolutely wrong about Lori. I think, huh? Why? Well, because I don't believe that this is all in Nora's head. See, that's what I'm saying. What I think is amazing about this episode is it it's it makes you forces you to recontextualize a lot of things in this final season for sure. Maybe going back previous seasons. I don't know. I haven't thought that extensively on it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually, so I guess my next question is, why the hell do you like this finale so much if it 
if it desecrates one the other episode that you really really liked. Of oh, Lord be- because Son. everything else about it was excellent, top to bottom. So you don't even think that throwing in the doubt of Lori committing suicide? It's just, I just want to hear you talk more about why that destroys the previous episode for you. Because I think the only you just you just point of that episode was to to give Lori her final moments and make a decision, and we found out she made a decision, but it wasn't the one that well, let me, the episode seemed to be pointing to. Well, let me ask you this, and I'm not trying yeah. to argue. I hope you don't think that. Um, I, I talked a couple weeks ago. I'm not even sure if it was on this podcast that they've interviewed a lot of people that have say jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, and not mm-hmm. a lot of people survive, but some people do. Um, it's kind of a crapshoot, um, and usually survive. You have grievous injuries, um, but it could be everyone. I haven't, I, but I, I know it's a, a shockingly high percentage of su- the survivors report that the very first step off the bridge, when it was at the point of no return, their first thought was, "Shit, I've made a huge mistake." Mm-hmm. So why would I think Lori? Do I think Lori can get into the depths of a depression? Yeah, and suicidal, yes. But do I think that she could? And and in the in the in the suicide she was trying to establish, she essentially is I'm thinking shutting off her air supply. Mm-hmm. So it looks like she just made some kind of technical error, and then she she's going to slowly pass out and die. Mm-hmm. That's a lot like Kevin tying a bag around his head. Like she's got ample time to really think about the implications. This is it. This is it. Okay. This is this isn't a gunshot. This isn't jumping off a building. This is yeah. a process that takes minutes. Um, I don't know why you think that she wouldn't reconsider when that's what a lot of suicide survivors immediately think is like. Shit, then I guess I, I, I don't do know this. why you wouldn't consider. You, you wouldn't say that Nora reconsidered. Nor reconsidered and, what? And was lying about her trip. She screamed, stop, they shut it off. I'm not, I mean, like I said, I'm pretty sure she can, uh, She she did lie. And my reasons are more okay. that the paint, the picture she painted of the other side didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Okay. Like, you've got... She painted it pretty vividly. It sounded very convincing. And, 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 but... and the other reason I like this is because, and here's a reason why I'm very hopeful that this is going to win a lot of Emmys. Mm-hmm. Because this episode is so self-contained and so masterful on the face of it that you could send this to some old-ass uh, Emmy judge, and they're going to sit down, oh, it's leftover. They're going to have a shit about those leftovers. They don't have to understand anything about the sudden departure. They don't have to understand anything about Kevin and Nora. They have to see two actors putting sublime performances under incredibly realistic aging makeup that holds up to the most intimate close-ups. Mm-hmm. And say, holy shit! This is like this is like the best Ray Bradbury short science fiction story I've ever seen. I'm going to throw makeup Emmys and direction Emmys and writing Emmys and acting Emmys, and I'm just going to throw them at the screen until like I don't know if that'll happen because the Emmys is. Kind I of hope a, so, man. But, but I'm saying like, God, unlike so. The Wire, where if you just watch the Hammer episode, you don't know yeah. all the connections to the character. This right. is so self-contained that these two and they tell the whole story mm-hmm. in this. 75 minutes of television that I have high hope that even if you are a fucking pig-headed jackass that you would at least see the craft and skill and that this is advancing the state of television art Mm -hmm. and storytelling and and, and everything. (laughs) The the trouble is we do know that there are people out there who have seen it in its entirety and still hate it. So, well, you know, yeah, if if, if the judges are like that, then you're right. 
You're right. There's a lot but of shows where we've thing. talked about like Mad Men, how hard it is to judge an individual episode of Mad Men because they all interlock with the things that came before and 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 breaking. Uh, yeah, I mean, my point is just like even if you have all the context and you understand all the emotion. You yeah. still might not like it, and, you know, that's fine. Well, the only thing is a, an Emmy viewer who has not seen The Leftovers and familiar with it, they wouldn't have that baggage. So they're just yeah. seeing it with, like... And I guess that's an interesting question. If you just force someone to sit down and watch this episode... <laughs> right. Would, know, would they get it, and would they would they think that it was amazing? Would they at least see that, like, hey, this is... what Regardless of what I say, this is a short film that's a work of art. Mm-hmm. Does anyone argue with that? Because it's... Go- First of all, it's gorgeous. It is, yeah. Um, I mean, just from naked Carrie Coon to the yep. <laughs> Terminator time machine she gets into I, I to was, the final yeah. shot of her ranch, like fucking Hobbit looking Bilbo Baggins looking ranch at sunset with the lovebirds descending on it. Yeah. It's some of the prettiest stuff I've ever seen in all of television. Yeah. You know? I even like when she's, you know, inside of the, the machine, right? And the lights coming down on her. Yeah. It looks very. It looks almost like she's talking to God in a way. Yeah. Like Nora, we're here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Your brother is here, and and when you tie it in with the Matt libs that that Matt and Nora were doing earlier, where you know she goes to the, the pearly gates essentially and meets her gecko uh, Matt. I, I feel I feel like they they were going for some heavenly imagery there. Oh yeah. Uh, and just freaking nailed it. And and there you go. Like you know, Christopher Eccleston gets his last few licks in there too, because there's fantastic. a couple points where I got really uh, weepy, and yeah. him, you know, uh, dealing with the finality of his sister's death was was certainly one. And of those. his own fear of death, you know, right. his own mortality, and a fear of life. Sure, because yeah. he's been a man of faith this entire his whole life, and he's had all the answers at every step of the way. And now, and that's such a such bound up in his identity, but. After you've had the experiences he's had, what do you what do you do? What do you say? Yeah. So, do you think Matt has gone through like a full deconversion, or is he just sort of more ambiguous with his beliefs now? Like I think his it's beliefs that. in God like, and the afterlife. Like he's confronted in almost a Jewish sense with the mystery and majesty of God. Yeah. And it's not. It's not, not exactly what he expected, right? No. It's like there's this line in the Narnia series about. Um, Aslan, who is a, who is an allegorical representation of God or Christ, uh, there's several characters that say that Aslan is not a tame lion. That like it, and and, and I don't even know what the hell that means because I haven't seen them all. But um, I think it's a way to say that like you know it, it's a way to rationalize that you know we have this th- feelings of the way we see Jesus is he's this um, beautific child cherub in a manger or he's this very wounded stricken man on a cross mm-hmm. there's not a lot of like power and awesome and majesty there but yeah. that is also part of the the godhood that christians believe in the the, the sheer awesome i'm gonna fucking flood the earth i'm yeah. going to consume it in a fireball i'm going to suspend the laws of nature and do whatever the hell i want to do mm-hmm. um you know that's like it's like as, as cuddly and as friendly and as as bad as you want aslan to come in and save the day He's also a dreadful, terrible, awesome thing, mm. um, and I think, I think that's what what Matt is is kind of struggling with the fact that he is mis- even to a devout man of faith, a man of God, he is still a, a kind of a terrible mystery. Yeah, he thought he understood it all, and it turns right. out he understood nothing. Right. So he's he's kind of and lost he's humbled. At this he's point. he's like he is, his yeah. story's been of Job, and Job 
Job was rewarded for his faithfulness, but Job eventually died, which mm-hmm. is also kind of interesting when you think about it from a, a biblical perspective or, I guess, a Jewish perspective, because that means something different than, I think, modern Christians understand it. Like, you know, that he's sleeping in death. He's waiting for a resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, he's like, the ending of Job isn't necessarily happy. Like, this man who's been faithful gets just chastised by God and said, who the hell do you even think you are trying to defend me as if I need it? Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's that's why I felt like I was so great about Matt's closure. Like, I feel like I yeah. really wrapped up his story, and this was the cherry on the ice cream sundae. Yep, that was an excellent scene. I mean, there there were just a couple of just outstanding scenes. Hey, I want to take a quick moment to bring your attention to things going on in the baldmove.com space. We I forgot to tell you this last week, but we've got this sweet Kevin Day Adventist t-shirt that we're selling in our merch store. If you go to merch.baldmove.com, you can browse it. It's a really awesome design of a church on fire being flooded. It says Kevin Day Adventist. It's designed by Bald Move's own George Lampman. George Lampman. I yeah. am currently rocking it, um, and it, it's it's a great leftovers T-shirt. Uh, and you can get it by going to our merch store again, merch.baldmove.com. If you want to show your leftovers pride, your Bald Move pride. Uh, check that out. We also, this, later this week, we'll have podcasts on Better Call Saul is returning this week and Fargo. Uh, don't miss Bald Move TV. There's a show in our Bald Move TV feed where Jim and I debate who won the week. I have a feeling I know who's going to win it this week. <laughs> uh, and we also talk about uh, shows we're watching on the side. And Cecily and I also are covering American Gods and Handsmaid's Tale in that feed as well. Uh, we just did a um, spoiler review of Wonder Woman in the Bald Movies, first round movies feed. Uh, we're seeing The Mummy this week, a Tom Cruise vehicle that's launching the dark universe of <laughs> Universal's classic movie monsters are trying to resurrect, uh, no pun intended. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. If uh, Tom Cruise's... Who's the better... How fast will Tom Cruise run in this 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 movie? Faster or slower than Brendan Fraser? Faster, <laughs> definitely faster. No fleshy but... beetles going to catch up with this guy. No, no way. Uh, what were you gonna? What was your crack going to be? That was it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so check that out later this week and everything that's happening. Oh, one other thing we keep forgetting to mention this. A lot of people say wonder if there's a place that they can go to subscribe to all of our shows because especially at times like this where we've got five different things in the works and it's like where do you all go and like it's clogging up my my podcast aggregator what the hell aaron uh we actually have that they're called the Firehose feeds if you go to the podcast link on our main page uh there is a link to help you subscribe to that uh and you can get everything that we do all conveniently in one feed there's an ad free version if you're a, a club member and there is a free version with all the commercials and stuff if you're a non, non-club non member. But, yes, we do actually have combined feeds for all the Bald Move empire there. So check it out, baldmove.com. Okay, one final thing, and I promise we'll get back to the damn right. episode. Uh, there's a lot of ways that people can support Bald Move. One of the ways that we don't frequently ask is to fill out a survey. We have a brief survey you can go to at leftovers.baldmove.com. Takes a few minutes of your time and asks you some basic questions about what you think of Bald Move and our coverage and some demographics questions. And this will help us uh, not only improve our focus on what we're doing here at Bald Move, but also improve our bottom line on advertising and hopefully get us uh, some more of that as well. So if you'd like to tell us how you think we're doing and some things that you're looking forward in the future, 
Um, whether you're a club member or not, um, go to leftovers.baldmove.com. It just takes a few minutes of your time. It would help us out a lot. If you only do one thing, please do that. Leftovers.baldmove.com. You mentioned other scenes, presumably, that you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I, d- I just wanted to mention kind of the highlights. Um, uh-huh. My favorite scenes, uh, definitely Matt and Nora saying their goodbyes. And then, you know, Nora Nora and Kevin had a couple of really, really good ones. Uh-huh. Like, the the wedding dance was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, that final scene where Nora describes oh, her it, journey. It wasn't just amazing because it was. It also was amazing because <laughs> it didn't even work. Right, right. Like they yeah. had us all like everybody. This could be the moment where they come back willing, together. Like, yes, look how happy you are, and look how comfortable and safe this feels. And she's like, Yeah, nope, I can't do it because this is this is still based on a lie. It's not true. Yeah, yeah. And that Otis Redding song, Dreams yeah. to Remember, fucking devastating, man. It's, it's really good. Yeah, it's that's what I'm saying. Like, how can you watch just that scene and not think the people involved in making this deserve some industry recognition? Yeah, sometimes a a song will make a scene, and I feel like. That might have been one of those times. Yeah. And it's powerful Jesus, in its that way that, like, because Mac Richter got summoned twice in this episode, once for Matt and Nora uh, and once for Kevin and, and Nora at the end. But I think handing it over to Otis for the middle part, pretty good, pretty yeah. good decision. You're in good hands with Otis. Yeah. And he there was um, there was three of his songs, uh, um, I think, because uh, I did the one thing I did in read this is episode? I read Alan Seppenwall. He's pretty good at that. And I think he said that there was three Otis Redding songs. Like all wow. the things that she was listening to as she's biking around. And I could be wrong because, again, I, that's the only thing I've read besides feedback. When she's by, um, this is where we're going to have a, uh, uh, a follow up episode so I can get all this stuff straight. <laughs> but the, all, the three epi- songs that she was listening to as she's like, got him biking through the outback and whatnot were all Otis Redding, various Otis Redding songs. Okay. Hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah, and then, I mean, that final scene, I don't, I don't know how much we want to talk about it right now. If you're if you're willing, we can go into the final scene and then come back to other stuff, but uh, that final scene is amazing as well. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the, because, um, I mean, starting at the beginning, mm-hmm. Carrie Coon worked her ass off in this episode. Yeah. Very long takes, very long, like, for example, this whole first five minutes where she's being interviewed and she's being badgered into giving an ever more emotional statement for the scientist women I thought was incredible because it mm-hmm. showcased all of her sides, her combative side, her logical side, her vulnerable side. And it's just one long ass take with Carrie Coon in a booth with a cheap ass camera pointed at her and, you know, kind of daring us to say this is bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Try, trying to get an honest of, of for once an honest reaction yeah. Out of out of Nora, right? They yeah. they don't believe her. Uh, I think the reason they turned her down is because they didn't believe that she was detached from, you know, the the important things in her life. She didn't really want to go. Um, so they're trying to break her down here, and I like it. I also really like the introduction of the Matlibs mm-hmm. because it seems like just the kind of naughty fun a guy like Matt would get up to. Yeah. You know, because uh, like everybody, and, and you can imagine his sister tormenting him with certain words, right? right? Like, yeah, writing Penis. back, Ooh, like that, yeah. oh no, vagina, yeah, yeah, right, make Matt blush, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> um, and, 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 I, and I, it, it so firmly establishes like a relationship that we never saw, but we understood from their childhood, right? The fact that these people have done gone beyond the pale to each other, on exactly. Yeah. Like you know, there's been times where Matt. 
revealed her husband's infidelity to the damn world uh-huh. um, just to prove his narrow-minded point about the sudden departure not being the rapture. And I think there's a, a couple things where she said some fairly unkind things about her, him and his wife. And, um, yeah. But they still they're, – they're family, and they've got – like at the end of the day, Matt's always been a good gecko as, to her as, as much as she could uh, – or as much as he could. You yeah. know, because the other thing is, you know, Matt has been the man of the house since – he was stricken by cancer and his their parents burned alive in front of them yep like all things considered that's a pretty good brother that can take care of his little sister that way Mm -hmm. um and be there for her at every stage in her life um you know matt like i think he was wrestling with the idea of like if he was a good perfect brother that he would somehow find the words to tell her not to commit suicide which is what i think he thought was going to happen Mm mm-hmm but, I mean, Nora opined that that's why he's a good brother, because he's not trying to. I don't know about that. That's one of those things where it's like uh, you have to give people leeway in how they live their lives. You can say your piece, but at the end of the day, like, there's a, there's a line between trying to convince someone. I, and I don't know where that line is if someone's trying to kill themselves. Uh, where the line yeah. is between, like, well-meaning, trying to forcefully input, and just being an asshole in their final moments. Yeah. I mean, Nora is is definitely a tortured soul. Yeah. Um. Certainly in that timeline. Uh. So I I don't know. I don't know where. And you, and the other thing is, it's not. Trying. It's got a veneer of science, so you can't say that it's strictly suicide. And there's like people fossils right. they're wheeling in and out. And mm-hmm. um. Do you think the machine? So this is a different question than whether Nora lied. Do you think the machine, if used properly, would work? I don't think. Hmm. <laughs> would it work? I. I have no idea. Yeah. Like, I don't know exactly what it does other than bombards a water-like fluid with radiation. Full of metal, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And, you, and solidifies it. I, another question is one I ultimately dismiss in a feedback. Um, someone asked us to weigh on what we really think happened to the 2%. And I wrote back. Oh. I said, mm-hmm. hey, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I literally have not given that much thought. Yeah. Because and, the whole series, Damon Lindelof has said, hey, we're never going to answer this. Yeah. Um, so I never really have given much thought. Like, I don't think that's the point. So it's like, it's almost like, I don't know. Um, and, and my opinion on that is just as valid as, like, if you ask me, you know, what do I think is, like, like, like beyond gluons and quarks, what's matter constructed of? Like, fuck, I don't know. Or what do you think dark matter is, Aaron? Like, I, shit, I don't know. Right. I, wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about it. Like, there's... I mean, that's the thing about the show, that they, they, they're they clear that very smart people are thinking and actively wrestling and collecting data, and, and now, but we only see that at the very margins where it bumps up into our characters' lives. Mm-hmm. Like when they call Carrie and tell her she's the demon Azrael and she's a lens or she's investigating what she thinks is these frauds that are beaming people with ladder radiation. Um, I don't I, I, I don't do you do you have any thoughts about where the two percent went? No, I, I think it's actually interesting the way Lindelof talks about it, because he very much, I think, had a tendency to want to answer that question. Mm-hmm. And Tom Perota was very firmly in the no camp. Right. Like. I have he he was saying I have literally never even thought about that question because it doesn't matter. That's not the point. And I I couldn't agree more with that. Like yeah. I'm glad that Lindelof, you know, people are saying, "Oh, did leftovers reveal what what happened to the other 2%?" Um there's like articles everywhere just asking that question. Uh 
answer in my mind is no. No, it's because not. I think Nora lied. But even if you think Nora's telling the truth, thank you. Where where are they? Like she doesn't say where they are. She said she went through to the other side. What does that even mean? There is no there is no QED answer. Right, it's one woman's account of what she says has happened. You can choose to believe her or not. Sure, but that's not the same thing as scientific proof. Right. Yeah. Like, a person can tell me they had a near-death experience, and they went to light, and they felt warmth and acceptance, and they met God, and I can say, that's your brain chemicals firing off uh, until you were resurrected by modern science, you you, you goofball. Sure. And they, at the end of the day, go, nah, I think it's angels and God, and there's shit I can say about their personal experience. Right. But that also would, I would I, and I could be like, okay, I believe you. And you, I accept you have that. license to dismiss what they're saying, right? But they also have license to believe it. Yes. You know, it's it's. And I can I can if they're my friend believe they had that experience and believe that's a formative part and that's something important that I need to respect. Mm-hmm. Without, I don't know. And that's the things like what does Kevin mean by I believe you? Does he believe because yeah. because one of the things I think is interesting about this whole thing is that Kevin has gone through these bizarre fucking things that only we yeah. and him have been privy to no one else. Mm-hmm. And some people believe him. And like, even Nora herself is very skeptical and like making fun of his experiences, but he's had, and I think that's okay. I think that's what this episode does so well because Kevin didn't lose anybody on the departure, and he didn't go through the desperate, like, I just, they're not, go- like, the way he talked about Nora, like, I just couldn't believe you were dead. I knew you were alive. Some part of me is the same way that Nora talks about her children. They're not dead. They're just gone. Mm-hmm. Well, you should be with them. He's now had this experience where he's groped with this and suffered for it, the same experience that she has been suffering from since the sudden departure. So he can be on equal footing for, with her on that ground and her by telling the story, which maybe it did happen. Maybe it happened exactly the way she said it. We can't disprove that. Sure. If it did, then now she has had the experience that only until this part, part until this point in the story that only he has had, where he's yeah. had this bizarre, crazy, unbelievable experience that, 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 that he can just accept about her. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, this this yin and yang that didn't quite fit together, now they've gotten, instead of him being the dark and her the light, or vice versa, now they both have both of those parts and they can understand each other. Yeah. And that's why my interpretation is why I think third time's a charm, it's going to work. I Yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's my hope. I, th- I think the end of this show is very hopeful. Um, you know, if not only personally for Kevin and Nora, I think also uh, at large, you know, yeah. so- societally. Um, and that's the interesting thing. That's I, I guess part of the reason that I think Nora was lying is because throughout, like she she had, in my opinion, a change of heart at the end, or or came to a greater understanding of why people lie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to try and pull one over on anybody. It's to try and get some kind of of sense of normalcy or some sense of like you know comforting themselves, essentially. Um, and I don't. I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, it can be harmful, but I also think it can be helpful. Well, um, and, and I think she comes to a greater understanding of that yeah. by the end, as opposed to just calling bullshit on everybody. And it could also be that... The same way that Kevin has a change of heart. As she gasped to say stop as she was thinking about, I'm about to see my kids. Well, what if I do see my kids? What if I go to a world where it's just a 2%, like, you know, logically thinking, they're the 2%. 
and where I'm Nora cursed because I lost everything, they're one of the very few lucky ones right. that have able to retain all this. And my husband was alive, and he was in the same room as them, so they'll probably be okay. And Wherever they are. Hell, yeah. I haven't been faithful to my shitheel husband for seven years. I you know, went with the magnificent Kevin. And he's ruined me for this other guy anyway. And I'll be like, like I could see her putting this all together. Are you in the 30s. her old husband is less than. Well, uh, here's the thing we've forgotten That's about about her husband. Because I've said I've said about Doug. It's like, oh, Doug's chopped liver. Doug Doug cheated on her. <laughs> oh, and she found that right, out, right? right? I totally. Yeah. Like, and I, someone pointed out an email like last week. And I'm like, oh shit, of course. Like, yeah, I, yeah fuck Doug. You know, sure. he had his chance. Um, <laughs> so. With uh, with the babysitter, if I recall. Um, but, like, she could have this realization, oh, my God, I'm going to be a ghost, and I'll be trapped. And I'll, and then over the course of however many years, it looks like it's maybe 15 more years, she has internalized that story and now believes it to be real. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen people that believe that have repeated a delusion or a lie or whatever long enough that they start believing it. Right. Um, hell, I've been that person. So yeah, I... I don't know when you're talking with with human beings. What is the difference between someone having authentic experience and someone going through something super trauma and they come up with a coping mechanism and they cling to it like a drowning person clings to a life raft? If if you talk to them 15 years after the fact, what is the real difference between the real experience and the experience that they've dwelt that that they've made? And even people have real experiences, embellish them mm-hmm. and make them better or worse over time. Um, you know, like I think that's the fascinating thing about the show is it actively asks you to think about all of those questions and if they're important to you and if they're important to the sure. people that you love and and how can you accept pity and how can you show pity to people without it being demeaning, mm-hmm. you know? Because that was one of Laura's, uh, I'm sorry, Nora's problems is she couldn't stand being pitied. Yeah, which is a shitty thing because guess what, Nora, you're gonna be pitied. Mm-hmm. Like any person that would see you in a state that you are in would pity you. That's a human reaction, and you're hating them for having a human reaction. <laughs> and maybe you hating them right. is human too. And what does that say about us as animals? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think it's interesting also that at at different points during this episode, I think Kevin and Nora are both telling sort of half truths. Uh-huh. If if you if you believe that. Nora did not go anywhere and actually, you know, shouted stop and got out of this machine and didn't kill her, didn't send her through. Um, then I think her her discussion with Kevin at the end, her um, story is more about the thing that she realized as she was about to go through with this procedure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like she she pictured her kids, right, and her right. her ex husband, and they were all together. She was, you know, the the, the one luckiest who, people on earth, right? They were super lucky. Why would she, even if she could get through to the other side mm-hmm. and go back? Like it's been so long. I mean, that's what she tells Kevin, right? It had yeah. been so long. I, mm-hmm. um, for them to, I think that also applies to her family. You know, well, that that, uh, that that's kind of a half truth she's telling him, and I think Kevin at the wedding is telling her a sort of half truth which is like he's made up this whole story right like yeah. we don't we hardly know each other i'm on i'm on vacation i just spotted you mm-hmm. uh, he's made up this elaborate construction of a lie and yet i think he's telling truth when he says i still hold a candle for you i think i think there is truth embedded into both of their lies it's also interesting because this is – I forget why we had this conversation, but in the first or second episode, we had this conversation about what Jesus said to the Pharisees about 
you know, there's a man who had a, a wife and he died and then um, her brother married her and then or his brother married her and then his brother died. His other brother, they had seven brothers. They all took turns marrying this woman. And the Pharisees say during the resurrection, which which man is going to be her, her husband? And Jesus said, yeah. you fools in the resurrection. People are as his angels are neither given in marriage nor more, nor married. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like another way to look at that. And I don't know. Again, I don't know what set me off on that direction, but it's something that I appreciate. Just like the other thing we talked about, like uh, with with Sarah uh, and and Abraham giving birth to Isaac, and Isaac was sacrificed, and uh, but he wasn't sacrificed because the Lord said stop at the last minute and provided him a goat that was tangled, had his horns tangled up in the bush nearby, so they could sacrifice that instead. Yeah, and how that also is a Jewish custom where the high priest once a year, maybe it was just during the Jubilees, I don't remember, he would take a goat. That would be the scapegoat that they would that, that he would pray over and lay all the people's sins on and then drive it from them so that they could have a clean slate every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And that like both of those biblical things got woven into that. So I don't know that you have to appreciate all that to get. Um, but you, when you're talking about something that's literally has three, four, five thousand years of history behind it, that the world's great religions, um, not to denigrate one of the world, I'll say three of the world's great religions. I don't want to leave. Any of the Taoists or Shintos. There are many other great religions, yes. A lot lot of great. And and arguably, they're either all great or they're all crap. Sure. That's my perspective on it. Um, But but you have, uh, what, a third of the world's population that believes in these these, these interpinnings? Like, even if you're not aware of it, that's got to have seeped through some kind of societal consciousness to where, like, even if you don't get at the surface level, you understand what's happening. Plus, the guy at the wedding explains it pretty nicely, too. He does, yeah. And that, like, you can see, like, Nora when she finds this, and they even fucking manage to throw in Sisyphus in there, too, that she keeps stumbling down the hill. But she manages to take these goat sins and then, I guess, dismiss them onto her (laughs) paper towel holder. Mm -hmm. But also that that last beautiful shot where the love doves are coming home, one of the last things that happens is that that sin, sin, sin eater goat, the scapegoat. Uh, that she had brought back to her house wanders back off. Yeah. Symbolizing that she's finally letting go of her guilt, uh, letting go of what a shit she's been mm. to so many wounded, hurting people throughout her whole life as a reaction to her own trauma and grief. That shit's amazing. Yeah. And no, I mean, the imagery is. Yeah. The, the just Lindelof amazing. and Parada's writing staff with, with Reza Aslan giving like religious. Uh, guidance and consulting like they all have made like what i consider a superior form of entertainment yeah and really engages your intellectual side of your brain but also in the end it doesn't really matter like i feel like the people that were into it for that part of the show seem like they got left holding the bag because so let me ask you this do you feel like this finale did explain the departure no I'm amazed how many people saying that I'm disappointed because Lindelof said there would never be an explanation for departure, and now there's an explanation for departure. I, I guess I would ask, can, what is the explanation? Like that what? the 2%, there's an identical Earth, and some kind of later ladder radiation bombarded us, and 2% But that's of not the, what she says. What does she say? She says she went through to the other side and saw her family. Uh-huh. But it was an identical what does that copy mean? of Earth where... Yeah, but what does that mean? Like... We saw Kevin go through to somewhere. Right. Where was that? It certainly wasn't the same place that the two percent went, right? So, right. W- why why do you assume that it's like this mirror Earth where, like, 
like a physical space. Why wouldn't you assume? As I've heard it described, it might actually be dream time, like that that idea of um, the Aboriginal people with the song lines and everything, and mm-hmm. that's kind of the a plane where they communicate, similar to where you know Kevin and Senior was when he took the God's tongue, uh, or where he thought he was. Um, mm. It could be that. Like, I don't know why people jump to like a physical mirror universe. I think it's the simplest explanation that matches the facts that she espouses. Like, if you if you say, "Oh, I think it's actually dream time," well, you're actually adding things to what she said because what she. But I've got a simpler explanation. What she's imagining all of it. Sure. Yeah. No. Right. <laughs> that's what. That's what I'm saying. Like, okay. I don't understand the people that are outraged that they offered an explanation because they've. Right. If you haven't, if you've been paying attention, there's been innumerable explanations for why the Great Departure happened that people have yeah. put forth and and. And, and offered, and there's various cults that have been built around that, and various personalities, and various naked Frenchmen nuking islands, and all trying to do what they think is going to ward that off, but none of it, like, we don't accept that as the truth. Why would you accept Nora's story as the truth, unless you believe her? But then that sure. says more about your personal relationship with Nora than it does about any kind of empirical truth of the universe. Sure, yeah. That's why it's like, mm-hmm. I... Anytime I saw someone saying I don't understand, like it's hard because I don't want to dismiss them because I guess that's a valid point. But in my mind, they missed it. Like you can have that opinion, but you should also say like Damon Lindelof was very careful to construct an ending where I can't hang my hat on that interpretation. Right, and and that's, that's one of many possible interpretations you can have. Right, it's the most. Po- it is the most fulfilling, like satisfying possible mm. end. For the leftovers, right? In that we don't know exactly, and I'm also I'm actually I want to go back and and push back because you said I don't understand why you think everything after she takes a breath and says uh, is not a dream, and I would go back and say that's literally how the last two seasons have gone with Kevin. The only difference is he came back to life for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So like we're seeing a story where. Nora didn't ha- know how to get out of that. In fact, maybe she was just dying. She was going to die for real. And Kevin would have died if, if in, in absence of anything happening to him. Um, she didn't have an earthquake. She didn't have someone that loved her right there to could pluck her out of the radiation. Um, like I, I just, I don't think there's any way you can say that everything past her the bu- the bubble filling up with water wasn't, you know, International Hotel Assassin Land Nora edition. Absolutely. No, I no totally agree, say. but you can't say that it was either. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's why I'm saying this is the most leftovers right. ending you can get because yeah. there's four or five different positions you can take on the f- finale, and I don't think any of them are empirically. And it'll be interesting to see the state of the art because I feel like this is going to be a discussion that lasts for months, if not years. <laughs> like the Sopranos ending? Like to, oh, yeah. Although I think everyone, like anyone that's really continued to seriously think about it has kind of – consolidated around a particular version of the story you know okay. there's been a lot of dissertations written and a lot of <laughs> angles of and, and I, I i have even though i haven't seen a show um <laughs> okay but i i i wonder if they can they constructed something that is just really airtight that there are fundamental problems or i don't even know there are problems lack of just there's lack of information yeah. that allows uncertainty which right. seems to be what the leftovers was all about that's a, one of the big things that we loved about it, right? Yeah. And I, I think that was the most interesting part of the sudden departure, too, was the lack of information. 
because if you understand what happened during the sudden departure mm-hmm. from the very jump, if everybody was like, oh, yeah, no, they went to the mirror universe and like all we got to do is get this ladder thing going and we can join back up with them. What the fuck does this show look like? Right. And that's 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 one of the reasons I don't so that believe mystery... Nora's story because that seems absolutely yeah. if you were so moved by grief to go to the other side to see your loved ones. Why the and you had the ability to do so. Why the what kind of asshole doesn't come back and say here? Yeah. So this is the thing I don't understand about Von Egan is that. Okay, so this is an enterprising guy, right? Uh-huh. He has gone and he has tracked down the source of of what sent these people to this other place. He's built a machine that can actually send people there. And yet he is not so enterprising that he wants to come back and become a trillionaire sending people to the other side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This guy could come back, have a patent on a machine that sends you to the other side and just make a billion dollars. Whether his motivations are capitalist or altruistic, the motivations are infinitely there. Yeah. Um, So he's either just like... Eh, I don't really care about people. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> or this never happened. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there's other couple of questions that never got answered. Like, what was the why why the 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 identical twin baby question? What did I have? The, did they? It didn't seem like Nora's hunting them down was part of the test. Or maybe it was. Maybe everybody gets offed in some abandoned parking lot. Uh, because that's the final phase of the test. I don't know. I don't yeah, it know. seemed like I guess where I came down on it is it's weeding out people who still have attachments um, to to this world, right? Whatever that is, life. I guess. Right. What do you think? So I want to talk about some specific things here. Okay. Um, when Matt is crying at the end, and saying, "I'm afraid to die, and I'm more afraid to live," and Nora says, "Well, why don't you come to me? Come with me?" and he goes, "I'm afraid." He says, I'm afraid that's going to defeat the purpose. What did he mean by that? Defeat the purpose. She says, I... Of her going through? She goes, come with me instead. He goes, I'm afraid that would defeat the purpose. Defeat the purpose of what? Him dying of cancer? Him, her seeking her own answer? Like, that that seemed like a non sequitur that neither one of them followed up on. And they Hmm. immediately went into, what 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 story are you going to tell people? Right. Um, I wondered if you had thought about that at all. No, I hadn't. Do you want to talk about the nun, the lying, the lying, cheating nun? Okay, yeah. I mean, I feel like the nun is a Rosetta Stone for this episode. Like, that is the big flashing clue that should at least open the possibility in your mind that all this is a lie. Yeah. And um, that that people can, can discern. But it's also... <laughs> They also mixed a metaphor because Kevin opines that I could tell she was lying just by looking at her. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin, who probably knows Nora better than anyone who didn't disappear, you know, what, 7 plus 15, uh, 22 years ago. Um, Kevin, who knows her better than anybody, uh, didn't said that he believes her. And I believe do – do you believe Kevin? That's another question I'm going to ask you. Do you believe Kevin that Kevin believes her? Is that a statement of like scientific empiricy by his point or for his point of view? Or is that him saying, I love you and I accept you unconditionally? I I think it's more the latter. I think it's more Uh, the former. I don't think he actually literally needs to believe her, believe like every detail of the story here. He just needs to believe the sentiment that she's trying to convey, which is essentially like I've realized what my mistake is and I'm I've spent the last X amount of years healing. Do you 
because I, I wonder about that because from my point of view, like if, if I – I can easily believe myself loving Nora because I kind of do. Uh, <laughs> and I can easily believe me saying Can I just her, say hmm? the nudity from Nora this episode was a welcome change for me. <laughs> like I, I've seen just about as many uh, swinging submarine dicks as I can take uh-huh. for one show. Right. It was a much welcome change. But that see, that's women and and I guess presumably gay men's approach to pop culture for the last 50 Absolutely, years. and I'm glad they got their fill. Like, like that's that how you're feeling. That, like, oh my god, I'm, I'm I'm glad someone catered to my taste. Exactly. Like yes. that's taste it, taste it, everybody. I um, totally get it. But use that thank to you. open your empathy <laughs> muscles. But yeah, totally, it's spectacular. <laughs> um, but not like super sexualized either. It no, was... it's mad. And you know what? It, it actually reminded me of. Um, the carving on the the Pioneer and Voyager plates, huh? Okay, like she's just like like those. We I think it's interesting. It's just the human form that right? when we like, sent an envoy to the cosmos that can be dis- like hopefully discovered by an alien intelligence, we're not shown in any kind of garb. We are shown in our primal, biological, naked, innocent state. Mm-hmm. Um and her going out of that world, I thought was um, and they never do like there weren't close ups. It was all like the way she was framed and just like naked and unashamed and un unself conscious because you know Carrie Coon, the actress, is in front of tons of people and crew workers and cameras, but Nora Durst, the character, was in some place utterly alone. Yeah, so there was no reason for her to look self conscious or. You know, uh, it, it, she was just like it's. It's like how you would act in your bathroom, stepping out of the shower. Right. You're not like covering your boobs, your butt, and like, oh my god, who's seeing me? You're just matter of fact doing your deal. And I thought that was yeah, non sexualized nudity, awesome. We need, we could use more of it. <laughs> See, I, I'm sorry, I derailed you. You were talking about Nora. Fuck um, if I know what was you, I you were talking about Kevin, like literally believing her or like figuratively believing oh. her. And I think you were going the other. Yeah, direction. like I could, like I. My myself, Aaron, uh, Nora, a woman I care about in front of me, and I just want her to know she's loved. And I say, I believe, I accept you. But Kevin is not me. Kevin's a man who's been to the International Assassins Hotel and has come back from the dead yeah. multiple times. I'm not so sure that he just doesn't believe her. I don't give a shit to particulars. Yeah, like I be- thank God, thank God, this makes so much sense. And like the Book of Nora. It's it's in an alternate universe. The leftovers is about Nora, and we go through her Ray Bradbury short story of going and visiting the two percent and that culture and how fascinating and interesting. And we're talking about how all that, and she meets up with Kevin, and he goes, "Oh yeah, I live this alternate Jesus life." And she says, "I believe." You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the only fucking difference between the two stories is one was filmed and we saw it with our own eyes, and one wasn't. <laughs> and that to yeah. me is fucking the leftovers. Bottom line, that and some. Bitching ass piano music, yeah. And I go back and I think at how similar Nora and Kevin really are. You know, uh-huh. like this. I mean, Nora has has this suicide fantasy that um, is going on in season one, right? Where she's having the the prostitute shooter or whatever. Um, Kevin's putting the bag over his head. Like these are the only two people who could possibly like understand each other in any mm-hmm. moment if only they would talk. Right. And I felt like it took. I don't know, 20 years. Who who knows how long passes between season one and the finale. But, like, I mean, it just took so long to come to a place where they could actually talk with each other. Hmm. And it's it's a shame, but I'm glad it happened eventually. 
I don't know. And like I said, if it, if her story is true, maybe she did have to go through something that fantastic to yeah. appreciate a guy like Kevin. And Kevin had to do the same to yes. That's to what I'm saying. Like he know? had to wander the wilderness with this empty hole in his heart, knowing that it was not truly empty, and is like caught in this weird Schrodinger's lover paradox to understand Nora. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love the symmetry of it. Um, other thing, I really loved the pacemaker scar. Yeah. Um, like that would be, I think that would be exactly the same position as identical twin Kevin with the codes embedded in his heart. Mm-hmm. I thought that Mike, when, when he said that, it's you want, great. Yeah. I'm like, God damn it, Lindelof. God damn you guys. <laughs> um, I did. The other thing I did see is the four minute, um, behind the scenes yeah. where they said that they came up with the ending of the show and then worked everything backwards. Right. And I feel like, you know. Not to draw negative aspersions or, uh, or, or oh boy. You know, illustrations of any other show he's worked on. Change the name on. of it. Yeah. But I feel like that that's the difference. Like There's a show called Found. Actually having um, – not trying to sell a show under false pretenses and actually having an emotional satisfying end that you work backwards from is, is why I think this show is so successful for the people. And it, it's not universally successful. Sure. But it certainly seems like it's more successful than others that have tried this type of experiment in the, in I think the past. I think critically, this is this has been extremely well received. Um, yes, I don't see a lot of critics out there in bashing fact, it. I do see uh, fans who are like, "Well, I'm done with it. I don't like it. Whatever." I'll, I'll see that and up you a little. I'm so fucking sick and tired of hearing people making apologies for the first season. Sure. Oh, yeah. season one sucked, but oh, in Lafayette, no, fuck you, dude. You just didn't. You just didn't get it, or you didn't have the. The experience of life, because like for the people that got it, it was and and some part I think in some ways stronger than what came before, because it was darker and more real and more unrelenting. Like like it was catharsis like I'd never experienced before. Yes, I love seasons two and three, but season one had some real heat and some real fire, and I'm so sick and tired of so many people talking as if season one was some bullshit weirdo experiment. <laughs> Some wrong alley they went down and they they clawed their way out of for season two. Andy Greenwald uh, <laughs> and even Alan Seppenwall saying that in his in his review. Huh. Like like, see, I don't I don't like season one as much as I like seasons two and three. That's fine, but I think it is precisely for that reason. Like season one felt a lot darker to me. It's not as it, much. It fun. felt a lot less hopeful. Yeah, it's not as much fun. It doesn't have nearly a sense of humor. But to say it's right. It was a mistake, or it's an unloved stepchild, or whatever. All kind of language I saw I was like, "Fuck all you people." This is <laughs> what I got to say. Yeah, as as people who have been, you know, on this train since early on, uh, and, and I think some of the early early episodes were uh, they had their moments where they were rough, but by and large, season one was really really good. Uh, I, seasons two and three have been even better in my mind. Another Rosetta Stone as the groom's speech about mistakes versus sin. Sure. I really like that, too, because you could argue that Kevin and Nora have made mistakes Mm -hmm. in how they approach their relationship, because how could they not? No one has a blueprint for navigating how you how you help a person who's had the experiences of Kevin and Nora, you know, navigate the world. But I don't think they ever sinned against each other. Like like even when Kevin said this hateful thing that he she did in the hotel, he did to her in a hotel. She even admits it like that's exactly what I needed to do. Right. Like, that's what, like, you, you, I didn't like hearing it, and you probably didn't like saying it, but that, like, I couldn't move forward until I at least gave that a try. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know, that's a great way. Like I said, the concept of sin is weird, 
to me, but I liked how it's framed here that like, um, you know, if you do something, you know, what's wrong, that's a sin. Everything else is a mistake. Sure. Uh, that like sin requires intent. And as an atheist, that's as close to a moral <laughs> judgment that I, I would care to get on anything. So a couple of uh, slightly more meta things here. I, I absolutely love the HBO Go description of this episode. Did you see that? Yeah, what was it? Uh, series finale. Nothing is answered. Everything is answered. Yes. And then it ends. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's yes. like the most Lindelof. <laughs> and I, I feel like and that's it's true. life too, you know? It's true. From a certain point of view, both of those are equally valid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, so, they played, um, uh, what's her name? I can't, I can't remember the name of the artist who sings that Let the Mystery Be song, oh, but right. they played that over the opening credits. Which I, I knew they were going to. I yeah, I think everybody had kind of guessed that. Um, yeah. But it did it did have this, like, very comfortable feeling, mm-hmm. sort of like coming home after a long journey, perhaps. Uh, yeah. I don't know, like Kevin in the Outback. Mm. Um, I, that's but but I'm, I'm left like thinking, was it worth it? Was was it actually worth it? And I don't know that I have an answer to that yet. I don't know how I feel about it, but maybe next week. How can you hate? How can you watch the intro of this and let the mystery be and hate this episode? I don't know. Like it's just like it's. I don't know. I guess it's like one of those things where a friend or a lover comes up and says, you can't hate me if I tell you this. Yep. And you're like, fine, I want to know, so I won't hate you. And then they tell you something. Like you, yeah. it, 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 who was it? It was on, um, oh, it was uh, Uma Thurman on Pulp Fiction. Like, that's bullshit. I can't, I can't, yeah. you know, I, I'm going to have an emotional reaction that's going to be through information, and I can't, I, I can't make a promise I can keep. But mm-hmm. we do that kind of stuff because we want to know real bad. But it's almost like Lindelof saying, hey, I want to give you this finale, but you can't hate me. For it, because this song is playing, let the Mr. B. Why can't you listen to Mr. B? And then people right. <laughs> watch it going into that with that social compact form, and at the end they're like, "Ah, oh, fuck it, I hate it." Like, okay, it's kind of on you. It's kind of like I. <laughs> no one can say is this a is this a fair statement? Whether you liked or hated the leftovers, no one can say that Lindelof, Parada, anyone involved lied about the intentions and premise of the show. I mean, unless you actually do believe that they answered the question, they said they were never going to answer. But that's which like, I I don't. So. Yeah, that's that's a that's a personal choice. That is not a evidence based conclusion that you're you're going to. I suppose so. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, that's a bold statement. I'll say that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, and this also this episode was also directed by Mimi Leader, who yeah. You know, has been doing one of the excellent work on the show since what the mid season right. one. Yeah, Lindelof in an interview I read early in the season kind of co, kind of gives her co creator status that she had such yeah. a a foundational role of nailing the look and emotional tone and feel of the show that she you know that he thinks of her as one of the primary creators and I think that's a that's that's high praise and oh, it's yeah. fitting that she she kind of brought it in for the landing they got. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have the other? Did you have a problem with every, every time? So Kevin spends fifteen years taking, spending all his vacations wandering around Australia, asking if someone's seen this woman. Mm-hmm. That is really profoundly creepy behavior. <laughs> Absolutely, and it's the kind of shit that, like, I feel like we put on pedestals as highly romantic, and then when people do it in real life. Uh, who maybe not are the best judges of other people's thoughts and emotions, we criticize and we call them creepy. I, I mean, how it, do you resolve that conflict? 
Like we as a society say this behavior is romantic, but then mm-hmm. if someone actually does it, it's fucking creepy. But but I think it's interesting because I think it all depends on what the other other person actually feels about it, like how they react. Because well, that's dangerous. I, I, well, Laura's I know. Saying, totally. Get out! I need you to leave. I never want to see you again. Absolutely. And if she wasn't holding that candle for him, profoundly creepy and uh-huh. and just the worst kind of bad. I so here's her. But here's, she is, and so it's. It's romantic. I don't know how to. And I also feel like I also ideas. feel like this. Yeah, and he, I'm I, I'm believing this. I feel like Kevin, the man he is, he finds Nora. He has to have that conversation. All right, it's not creepy to track someone down and have a conversation with them. Well, it can be. It but, can be. <laughs> yeah. And this is pretty. But I just want to talk to you. But I do believe that <laughs> if she didn't show up to the quote unquote dance, that he doesn't. Then he just leaves and he he tries to find closure. However, he does. Maybe he ties a bag around his head and that's it. I don't know. I don't think he goes and badgers her. No, I don't think so. And when they do have the dance and they felt that connection and then he lies to her and then she rejects him, I do feel like it's probably with not beyond the pale to go and then try to like, okay, one last chance. I'm going to be totally brutally honest about this whole thing. Absolutely. And if she tells me to go to hell, then like that's – I guess that's the difference between Kevin and someone you have to get a fucking restraining order against. Yeah. Is he does eventually – like he – swats a ball into her court mm. and she swats it back by showing up the bet and so there you go like i think that's that's the difference in why i ultimately didn't <laughs> right. think it's like harmful a- emotional escapism like i think a lot of rom- mm. romantic comedies are like this is like fucking insane guy training manual uh yeah yeah uh, uh, yeah i don't know cuz it's almost a shame like if if they're both holding candles for each other it's almost tragic that if one of them doesn't go way out of their way to find them and try I'm, to reunite, I'm a, right? I'm a big, firm believer in that. I would rather, I would rather live. I, I, I the one thing in my live life, live. looking back, the things I find hard to get over are regrets of that I didn't do something. Right. Like there's a lot of times where I've done stuff and oh boy, blown up in my face. <laughs> but I don't dwell on those things because I did it and I got a consequence. Sure, they're yeah. bad. But the times where, like, I thought I should have jumped and I didn't, or I thought I should have invested, or I thought I should have said something and I didn't, those are the ones that really stick in my craw. The what ifs. Yeah. The what ifs. And I feel like that everyone has an obligation to themselves to leave the wor- the earth with as few of those as they can. Yeah. When the what if turns into being arrested for stalking, it's not quite as good. Well, that's maybe like leave done, that as a you, what if. You, you but how do you know? Up. You yeah. should also like maybe you know have a good close friend and advisor group that would like get laid. I, oh, I, I thought you were going to say a good lawyer. <laughs> uh, yeah, always a good lawyer too. Uh, I also think about like Lori. Lori, as a therapist here, she can't reveal Nora's location, but. Damn, is there nothing you can do for this man that lives next door who spends his vacations in Australia? Try and talk him down. Try and I mean, you can't reveal get like him to realize that. And this I wonder is... if I wonder if she like because like, like she can't like like uh, well, I guess yeah. If you discourage it, either way, you're kind of violating your your uh, client. Ther- therapist privilege aren't you because hmm. if you encourage him then that's kind of saying oh yeah sailor boy she's alive go you know and if you say look kevin you got to give this up then you're feeding into you know him thinking that she's dead which he, he probably should have like he lists hmm. all the reasons why yeah. it was insane for him to keep doing this but he kept doing it yep so um okay all right what else do we want to talk about do we want to talk uh, about any of the 
any of the particulars. There's, there's just tons of feedback too, man. Yeah, I mean, I think the last thing I have to say um, about this finale is just, it, it, you know, we recently watched a movie, I'll say, because I don't mm-hmm. want to spoil it because people get upset, um, where the, the conclusion of it was all about the power of love. Oh. Um, and how the that... The Matrix, I've essentially, seen that <laughs> Right, right. It, it is essentially the Matrix. Um, and how just love conquers all, right? And I never got the impression that they were even approaching that in this episode. I love how this show, in its conclusion, was so much more rich and and real. Even when the characters are lying to themselves and to everyone around them, it feels much more honest. Yeah. And I, that's the thing I really loved about this show. Or it's intimate because you know the lies are being told and you can see if they're believing it or not believing it. And it felt real and voyeuristic and always grounded. It never – Yeah. Like even when you're watching lying people, that looked like people that are in love. They're lying and they don't know about it and it's betrayal or they do know about it and it's sad. And you're right. And it just feels more – more true to life you know yeah. it's not it's not always cut and dry this is yeah. the power of love and it'll trump all i mean it's it's often like love is there but you can't get near it because there's issues you got to fucking deal with first and, and again i gotta talk about carrie coon and kevin thoreau kevin thoreau what, what is, <laughs> justin god damn yeah. it god that's how there's like yeah they're always going to be kevin and, and nora and george uh, thoroughgood you should hear the fargo podcast it's a shit show of me always calling you know yeah. carrie coon's character gloria nora or noria <laughs> or some kind of hideous combination of both right. like she got into the bubble and like some kind of fly monstrosity <laughs> half half nora half gloria burgle of that's, emerged that's funny because i think that was the inspiration for it is the fly like uh, no joke i yeah. that and the terminator Okay. Because, like, you know, I mean, the... that, that's what I read, though. Okay. It was oh, like Lindelof was watching okay. a fly and had kind of this idea. Okay. okay. Um, but those two actors, mm-hmm. and also the makeup people, because I've never, like, I, I, I just watched the, the, the classic Twin Peaks series this last week because it was a commission. Um, yeah. And to say that the old man makeup that Kyle McLaughlin, uh-huh. whatever the hell his name, McLaughlin, yeah. uh, puts on in episode three of that show is shitty. Because it was shot in standard definition, never intended, and I'm watching like a transfer to 16 uh, millimeter print, and like, oh my god, it's just like rubber <laughs> cement on his face. These, wow. this is just so, and they're so close up and high definition, and it's never anything less than convincing. Yeah, and not right. only that, but I thought that Kevin played Kevin, future old Kevin, with a certain sort of, like, fragility. And, like, this is a man who's had a pacemaker and has had a heart attack. Like, a little bit of a shadow of his former self. Mm-hmm. That when he showed up with, a, like, a head of steam, like, oh, damn it, I'm going to tell you the fucking truth. And, like, that was, like, the Kevin that we have seen throughout the whole series. That that's – it's not just the makeup. It's also the acting. Like, he was playing, yeah. like, a man who was 15 years older, wiser, and physically weaker – and I just think it it was incredible. It was incredible. Everyone involved that made those scenes and not look fakey and weird and shitty. Like yeah. the hair and makeup and the acting and the directing and the lighting was just it, – it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I, I, I despair of seeing anything better, to be honest. <laughs> because that's one thing – that's one criticism you could say about The Wire is it didn't always look amazing yeah. because it was shot in standard definition. And I mean, wait till we go to 4K. Um 
I, that might be yeah. A boost. I, I wouldn't I mean, say that, but I was one of the ones that said I didn't get the big deal about high def until right. You get used to it and then go back to standard def and like, oh my god. Yeah, and yeah. at some point you bump up against the human eye, but I, I don't know when that is. Like four K, nine K, glaucoma test. It's not pleasant. <laughs> right. When they bump up against the human eye, it's never ever pleasant. It's not puff of air, my ass, doc. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you think? Of the ending being Pachelbel's canon in D, which you, if you've been to any wedding, <laughs> funeral, or graduation in the last 20 years, you've heard this. And because our popular culture uses it for the beginnings, endings, and commencements of things, yeah. I felt it was a really fitting choice, chance. Yeah, that it encompasses all those things. Yeah, like it's a, and, and part of my not being sure if this was an emotionally as satisfying as the previous seasons, I gotta admit, is uh when i was watching so i was watching the like i was i was doing feedback and stuff with my son um and i was watching on my computer the 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 five minutes behind the scenes where lindelof and parada were talking about the season and i was getting teared up just because i realized this is it this is it there's no more like i'm sad in the same way that like last time i remember this happened is like when lord of the rings was over like i'm (laughs) sad that this is there's no more to this and he's like, what's going on, Dad? And I'm just like, I'm just really bummed that this show's not going to be around anymore. Yeah. Uh, and whereas before, we didn't know if it was, but it was like, it was kind of like Nora's kids. I wasn't, okay. I didn't know if it's time to grieve yet. Like, I was really satisfied with what I seen. I didn't need more. I wanted more. I wasn't trying to get more. Now, I don't need more. I want more. I know I'm not going to get more. And that's ultimately a less satisfying thing right even if it's the perfect ending hmm it's i don't know i mean there's something obviously bittersweet about finales right and and i hold up um a star trek the next generation as an example of a really yeah uh really bittersweet all good satisfying finale Mm -hmm. for a a series because it kind of brings everything back around um and and explores like you you know the futures the past and the presence of all of these characters Mm -hmm. and i I think that's amazing And, and I feel very similar to how I felt watching that when I watched this finale. Because, like you said, you know it's over. You're not going to get any more. Um, if it if it was a big part of your life, much like Star Trek Next Generation was, much like this has been, uh, I think you can't help but feel a little bit sad. And maybe, like, it's, it's not dissatisfied, but it's like, I wish, I wish. Like, yeah. what if? Could we do another season, you know? I don't think, I don't, someone I, was asking if I thought that there would be room for a Leftovers movie. No, I re- uh, no, no, please no. No, I just, this is so <laughs> final. I, I mean, this is like, <laughs> I, I don't want the, the, the pommel horse Olympian to get back on the freaking right. pommel horse after they've just nailed the land. Right, right. I just want them to revel in their tins. Like, yeah. This is this is like the perfect ending for me. I don't, and, and honestly, I don't know what would have been a bad ending. Yeah, that's a great um, question. But, but it is bittersweet. I, I feel you on that. I also want to say one last thing about the artistic grace of this show. Mm-hmm. I love that Nora Durst got the last line of every season. First season, she picks up Holy Wayne's baby and says to Kevin as he's coming home, "Look what yeah, I, I found." found. Yep. Last season, you're home. This season, I'm here. Like I. From a lyrical structure standard, I really love that about it as well. Right. Um, and the the final episode being The Book of Nora, I think says that in a lot of ways this series is about Nora. Oh, sure. Um, even more so than it's about Kevin. Yeah. 
because she kind of was the special one here. You know, she was the one to be pitied. She was the one with the furthest to go, I yeah. think, um, on her journey, and she made it. Mm-hmm. At least I think she made it. Yeah, we, we may, we, we will never know like what the outcome is. But much like Nora's story, I choose to believe that they live out the rest of their hopefully long life happy. Right. Maybe As it's in Australia. The most powerful man in the world and the bravest girl on earth. Yeah. Yep. I like it. Hey, you want to pitch for club.baldmove.com? It's the way to support Bald Move. It's the only way that we get coverage of so many different television shows. In a world without club.baldmove.com, you would not get a leftover show. We would probably do Better Call or Better Call Saul, and that's it because it's the perceived bigger show. Um, little shows like Fargo and The Leftovers would get left out if it wasn't for us doing this as a full-time job and able to follow our passion. So that's a good reason to support it. But also you get bonus features such as ad-free feeds. We've got something coming out this Wednesday called Quip, Quit Your Pitching, where Jim and I randomly generate episodes of television titles or series titles, and then we try to imagine what those shows would be about. And we try to – sometimes they're serious. Most of the time they're funny. Uh, but we get pretty positive feedback about them. That's the special that's coming out for this club, and you miss it. You don't get it. No quip for you unless you're a club <laughs> member, but dry your eyes there, Kevin and Nora. You can sign up at club.ballmove.com for a free 30-day trial to kick the tires and see if it's all as advertised. Check it out, club.ballmove.com. We need your support. All right, let's get the feedback. Uh, we will have one more episode, which will I think next episode is going to be more me looking at Lindelof and what he has says and see if that changes my mind any because I wanted to get this kind of unvarnished opinion out um, and also like to allow people to argue with us because I've talked broadly a lot of shit about people that didn't like the show <laughs> and I will say that the no. frustrating thing I found is that a lot of people negative takes did not go into a lot of explanations of why they didn't like it. It was just like, I didn't like it. And I felt this was a betrayal of characters and all. And I'm like, I feel like that's kind of valid though. Like sometimes no, that's you can't fine, articulate like, it, but, but if, if, if I want to give them another week to see if they can, because okay. I'd like to try, like I, I, I do want this podcast to be for everybody. And like, you mm-hmm. know, the people that didn't like this show to have been with it for, they're the most, uh, the most of us to be pitied. Right. You know, yeah. cause we, we mm-hmm. liked it and we liked it all the way through and we were satisfied. The ones that aren't, they're the ones that are the, the the two percent right mm-hmm. so like i want to give them them a voice uh leftovers dot com. you got another week to to argue with us here um uh, i like this tim v sent this in seven days ago he heard us talking a podcast about the final leftovers le- alphabet the alphabet of the departure that was on the the was it watching the leftovers hbo marketing site yeah um zero is the final score he said zero in tennis is love Love is the final score. Pretty good call. Are okay. you satisfied with yeah. that ending? Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I don't know that I, they intended that, but it, it it sure. Go ahead and take all the internet points, Tim. Yeah. Uh, all right. So here's the broadly positive or neutral takes. Uh, the leftover, the negative takes we can get to here in a bit. Or do you want to do the negative first? Uh, yeah, I want to leave it on a positive note. Go oh, on. okay. So, Let's take the negative first. Yeah. Uh, let me rearrange stuff real quick. And Jason from Milwaukee says, I'm sure I'm going to be the lone one here, but this was pretty much a letdown. You were not the lone one. I sat through 40 minutes of confusion so I could get 10 minutes of exposition. 
just felt very lackluster. Well, there's a problem. You missed fifteen. You missed twenty minutes of the episode, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an hour and a half episode. What do you? Doing? Yeah, it was an hour and seventeen minutes. You only got fifty. Go back. It's uh, you know the the Kevin came back. He did. Yeah, he came back. There's a whole thing. Uh, I felt it felt the, like very... much like the doves or the pigeons rather. <laughs> just took him a while. Yep. Uh, just felt very lackluster. It would have been more satisfied with some sort of time loop bend of reality sort of situation. Hmm. Oh, and what about the pointless return of Lori? I guess there's probably a point I just it just was missed uh, lost on me. So uh, I guess you were looking for a plot resolution and you not wanted like to a see emotional resolution. Nora's story. You yeah. wanted to see her yeah. going back in the negaverse and seeing her being a ghost behind the tree. Which I don't mean to be condescending, but I think you were watching the show wrong. Like Elaborate, it's never re- that was it's never really about the plot this show right it's well, always that's about the emotion the, around the events that's certainly like, what the showrunners have taken great pains to tell us for these last three seasons yeah and, and uh, you know but, I, don't, I don't want to be too hard on you but I think. then they throw us i mean the the one thing is yes they're right uh-huh. however the book of kevin was go- go- gorgeously illustrated with <laughs> penis scanners and bloody heart rippings open, and a nuclear yeah. salvo, and all this resurrections. Crazy shit. And the I, book of Nora yeah. was single spaced mono font, one page bullshit. <laughs> okay, so I kind of see him like even There's if you poetry. say the emotions the thing, we got the book of Nora got short shrift compared to the book of Kevin, which was awesome. That's the thing, and I do think they threw red meat to the people who are viewing it the way that you are, which is. Um, looking for interesting plot developments mm-hmm. because you know Kevin being immortal effectively was a pretty interesting plot development yeah. right it, aside from you know what it said about also, Kevin himself emotionally was he mortal until he nuked the hotel world that's a good question or he couldn't come back yeah I mean, because one without a real it's firm funny answer, that he but... had this congenital heart defect that never caused him any problems until he did that yeah and that's what I'm saying. That's why I think this show is brilliant because in the mm-hmm. margins, there's stuff that's screaming to be looked at and to be thought about and considered. Or did Kevin make up that story in order to cover up the the in order to cover for the scar that he's got, much like Nora did with the tattoo, right? Like, mm. wh- where do the lies end and where does the truth begin? Uh, is a, an interesting question. I felt like we talked about Lori enough. Like that's just a thing. Like you're either going to get it or you don't. It's either going to destroy your appreciation for an episode or not mm-hmm. and it didn't for me it seems like it did for you but you allow you just gave it a pass um but to me i think Lori being in the final episode is a vital part of the oh, I, I uncertainty wouldn't. of the episode okay I, I wouldn't say i gave it a pass i actively disliked that part of the episode mm-hmm. um but, but it didn't everything your, else was so saying. good that me, you know, it I was, think it was I, an A instead of an A plus. I, guess. I think the contradiction of Lori being there was a vital part of the ambiguity that they were trying to go for. Hmm. Okay, uh, it's significantly less ambiguous if she's not there. Yeah, let's talk about. He, he mentions the confusion, right? The, how he spent the first forty minutes in confusion. I, and I did too. I did too because I'm like, where? Yeah. Are they, what is going to happen? Like, Why does Kevin no... not remember her? Like, yes. Well, what and is then going like, on? I felt like that's intentional. Like. Damon was trying to say we are in a parallel universe. Like uh-huh. Nora did disappear, and she's in this thing where it's kind of right, but not uh-huh. like it's a pod person type of th- feel. And then they did the typical leftovers thing where they they you know, like I said, I I thought that was all the reason it's awesome. Yeah, I experienced a roller coaster during this episode, but and I I'm sorry, it. Jason, you did you didn't dig it. Write us back if you got anything more to add, Tom H. I want to start asking a question. Has a show ever committed to a substantial time jump and had it work? 
I'm definitely no fan of time jumps like the one in tonight's episode because we've essentially all new characters. The characters we have grown up watching these last three seasons are either dead, off screen, such as Tommy, Jill, John, Erica, or completely different looking and acting. This threw off the entire episode for me. I understand Nora, but did the rest of the cast have to jump 5, 10, 15 years or whatever it was? First of all, yes, there's been another episode where time jump works, and that is the finale of Star Trek The Next Generation, All Good Things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a third of that episode is a time jump. Oh, yeah. Actually, two-thirds of the episode yeah, is a time yeah, yeah. jump. Like, it's, it's the framing device that the rest of the episode is told with him. Right. Much like this one. Also, I don't understand where you're saying they're different looking and acting. They're They're wearing aging makeup, but my God, it's not like they were recast and they like Nora the pissed off grouchy Nora in this episode is very much of a piece of in, the the Nora that threw a coffee cup off the table just because she wanted to have some kind of emotional release like I, I just I don't see how you can say that these are different characters I had yeah Kevin saying he doesn't know Carrot and Nora but that was explained so Right, right. And it's and also, all, that has an he even says that it's, it wasn't a great idea. Mm-hmm. It's just like when I saw you for the first time, I didn't know what to do, and I panicked, and I blue screened, and I just, just did this desperate gamble of like, can we just not talk about all the bad shit and just start over because I'm ready to do that now? Yeah. He knew it was a bad idea. He just doesn't imperfect- didn't have any better ones. <laughs> right. How else do you put a face on the fact that you stalked a woman for in Dane for 15 years? Well, this is the thing that I love is that in Kevin in Kevin's mind no time has passed between the the shouting match that they had in that hotel room and meeting up again right yeah. he assumes that Nora has still been dwelling on that moment mm-hmm. for x amount of years and that he needs to somehow explain that moment or erase that moment yeah and Nora on her side of the equation has come to an appreciation of that moment yeah. and has synthesized it into her personality a little bit and that Kevin wouldn't even have needed to really bring that up, you know? Yeah. I mean, bring it up, but he wouldn't have had to defend it so much. Uh, I also want to say before I go forward that, like, it sounds like I'm arguing with you. I'm really I'm really trying to get you to appreciate the episode. Like, because mm-hmm. I think in your heart of hearts you want to. So if anything I can say is useful for that, I'm not trying to dismiss your... I'm just trying to, to, to answer your criticisms and try to give you a different appreciation so that maybe you can appreciate it. If not, you know... I, 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 that's what I'm trying to do anyway. I will say I had a knockdown, drag out battle with myself mm. over Nora's hair in the future. Why? <laughs> because I hated it. The first time I saw it, I was like, oh my God, that's the wiriest, most disgusting sure. hair Scared I've ever seen. It's like a $10,000 wig. It's this fancy fucking uh-huh. wig. And, like, I get it. She's out in the sun all the time, and her Future hair Nora is doesn't bleached. give a shit about how sexy and she is. I know. Clothes. I know. I was like, Nora, you had such nice hair. What did you <laughs> do in the ensuing 15 or 20 years, whatever? But I eventually came to love it because it describes that character perfectly. Uh, also, after scenes with Nora in the tank, I felt the rest of the episode until the final scenes were useless. Kevin pretending not to know Nora felt awkward. The wedding felt incredibly drawn out. The goat scenes get a pass. And watching Nora ride her bike everywhere felt like a Peter Jackson homage. Mm. All right. You got your opinion about the other stuff. But I want to say that I want to suggest that Lindelof and Leader showing her riding all over God's creation was to give a little bit of context for her later comments about how long it took her to traverse to Earth Mm. to get to where she was going. She didn't have airplanes. She didn't have... 
buses and trains. She had to can be content to slow boat from China and probably foot or or bicycle travel. So I feel like that's not something explicitly said, but that tension building throughout the episode led up to when she says it took a long time. Yeah. A very long time. You're supposed to carry that tension into that conversation. That makes sense. Again, that's just me trying to help you contextualize it. Let let me attack the other portion of that with please. Um, Kevin, Kevin's scenes where he pretends not to know Nora as being awkward. Uh-huh. It should be awkward. Yes. He's lying. It's he's lying awkward. to her face. He's fabricating the story that they both know is bullshit. And, and Nora's having a realistic reaction to it. Right. Of she's secretly delighted that he's shown up and she's back in her life and she wants that. But also, this is a man who hid behind a bunch of comfortable lies throughout their relationship trying to do it again. Yeah. Um. While I enjoy that they departed and they departed conclusion, I hated how they failed to acknowledge Kevin's story. Kevin, who seemingly was the main character these last few seasons, is a non-factor throughout most of the episode. Rather than screen time or story progression for any established characters, we get instead a goat, a nun, and a newlywed couple. Other people who are brand new. Why? I give the season finale a Lindelof deserving 3 out of 10. It would be a 1, but the final scene made up for it. Hmm. I mean... Uh-huh. It's going to be hard for me to nudge a three out of ten up to into like a six or seven out of ten, but I just um, if you say Kevin was a not a main character in his final episode, I I don't know. I feel like that's objectively false. Yeah, so I think Kevin had his moment last episode. I think he got, he got his hour last sure. episode. Nora got her hour, and, and then, then they, they got, got their half hour. They together. got the seventeen minutes together, right? And I. I couldn't think of a more fitting end. And if you went in knowing that the title was Book of Nora, that's kind of what I was. I didn't. I honestly yeah. didn't even know Kevin would make it back. Right. Um, so maybe uh, you know, with me and not expecting that, maybe that's why I enjoyed it. I don't know. Chris A. There's three issues I have this final episode. Lori didn't commit suicide. What yeah, this undermines the pr- whole prior episode. Very debatable. Sure, but, but I'm with you. <laughs> Uh, two, Nora, against all odds, found her children again and then didn't speak to them. That's just a choice written in service of where they wanted to go. That's not an authentic choice from that character. Again, both of these points hinge on that you believe that Nora is telling the truth and is experiencing genuine things, which is a very dubious proposition. Three, why in the world did Kevin act as though he'd never met her before? Uh, I feel like we, we, you know, they addressed that in the episode. Whether you believe yeah. they're not satisfying or not, that's up to you. At four, not, wait, wait, what's this three points? Not as four. <laughs> three out of ten. Feedback. Uh, Nora and all the others who went through have figured out a sudden departure. Isn't that the most amazing thing ever? And she just then goes to Australia? This makes zero sense. Only if you think, like I said, like, these are criticisms for your point of view that are that it is not a universal frame of reference. Sure. You yeah. are the theoretical time, the person on a par- particle of light going towards another particle of light. And so I guess I take those you, criticisms. You can't say that this guy's going to speed of light and I'm not and I'm standing still. Like, you know, like <laughs> right, yeah. Einstein blew that shit up a century ago, man. Uh-huh. It's all about your frame of reference. What were you going to say? Uh, I feel like so I'm going to view these people's criticisms as justifications for their point of view, I guess, because mm. like. The, the same way that I say, here's what I think, and I don't have, like, perfect evidence to back it up because there is no perfect evidence in this episode. Right. Um, but these are the things that inform my decision on what I think is happening. I think yeah. the same thing is true of these listeners, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, of, of these emailers. They're, they're 
criticizing the episode because they have a point of view. They, and they if you have, have that point of view, this is the conclusion they draw. And from some it. of that point of view is like, I don't like what I'm seeing. Right. And yeah. that's, that's and there are reasons for that, but right. But who knows what they are? They're not. Sometimes. They're not objective. Yeah. Just like mine. And neither are mine. Exactly, exactly. Jenkins B. This season's basically a Kevin and Nora love story, which felt forced and not earned. It wasn't always the center point of the series, but more of a side story. Is that true? Because the climax of every scene has been, of every season has been Kevin and Nora coming together. Right. Like, I feel like that's close to an objective fact. Like, if you didn't like those parts and you concentrated on the dog mysteries and the Patty delusions and the earthquakes and stuff, then maybe Mm -hmm. you can say that. But literally... The climax of every season has involved them getting reuniting. Yeah. So that's as close as a main line as you're going to get in fiction. Seems to me. Um, the other character story arcs were literally unresolved or resolved by a few lines of dialogue from Kevin. Michael, who after watching episodes six and seven looked like he didn't believe in the stories and superstitions anymore, was brushed over and we're expected to believe he's the new preacher at the church. Another way to look at that is that he saw a man for the second time die. They put a bag over his body and he came back to life again. And I think being skeptical of this crazy journey that Kevin senior is on is not like being skeptical that there is a God and that he has the truth, you know, like this is just an old man interpreting things way differently than he would have. Yeah. I'm okay with like resolving secondary characters in short lines of dialogue. He continues, Tommy and Jill, however uninteresting, were just thrown out in the season. Meg had a very interesting storyline from season two, which I was hoping would be developed with Evie, but that was thrown through the dirt as well. Lori apparently being alive takes away such a strong emotional episode six, which now looks like a cheap misdirection. Uh, I wasn't expecting this season to be the one which answers every question and tie up loose ends, as this is a Damon Lindelof show after all. (laughs) But I wanted more of the other characters. Clearly, this show would have worked better Mm. with four seasons. Season three to write out the other characters and introduce more of Nora Kevin's dynamic, and then season four to really sell us. I mean, I thought they had written out some of the characters. Like, Tommy and Jill were effectively written out. Yeah, and what he said about them tracked with me. Tommy Meg was written fine. out like season two. Jill was seemed fine. Meg was exploded. Yeah. Kind of wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And Evie got caught up, and maybe she. she was If she was in Nora's position, she would have screamed, Stop, but you know what? Drone strikes don't. <laughs> It's true, yeah. <laughs> there is no 30 seconds of being immersed in some kind of polymer for nope. you to go back on. Um, but, yeah, this is the guy I said, I know you guys have an emotional investment of this show because of your religious upbringing. Obviously, you love Lindelof, but I'm hoping for a little bit of objectivity on the pod this week. I, I, I can't. I can't step outside the meat sack and the swirling hormones and chemical soup that is my brain to give you that. Obje- and there is none. There is no objective point of view. Right. This is art. Yeah. You know, it's it's mostly about how it makes you the feel. The either type of guy that says modern art shit, or you can say, I don't like it, but I I, I still I grudgingly admit it to the art world. Like, I don't, I don't know what kind of guy you are, Jenkins, but I can't be more object. All I can do, all I can do is make you aware of the biases that I have, which yeah. I feel like you acknowledge, and give you my honest opinion from that frame of reference. Uh, KDP, last negative take. Okay, I love this show. I always thought they couldn't ever do anything that would disappoint me, and then I watched the series finale. Oh, my God, I'm so distressed. Why did they bring up anything about the departure? It ruined everything. Plus, I'm so upset that I had to see old Kevin and Nora in the end. What? The entire episode, I was assuming wrongly that I was watching Nora's near-death vision in those 30 seconds of holding her breath. Hey, I see you. Wrongly? I see you. 
I have why, to say, why, wrongly, why do you say wrongly? I, I, that's what I think too. Yeah, that somehow Kevin found his way hmm. to her to convince her to stop the process and come back to deal with reality. But instead, I was treated to a relatively boring episode about two people that I thought were dreaming or oh. actually living. You say wrongly because they never came back from it. I'm feeling cheated. Is Lori alive? I didn't think they could do anything to upset me, but apparently I was wrong. I feel for you, Katie. <laughs> You're objectively wrong, Katie. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> you watched the show wrong, Katie. You yep. made a bad feed. No, I. I feel bad. I see what you're saying. But to me, what you are saying is the things that you hate are the things that I love. I love the ambiguity. I love the fact that they had you going thinking there's some alternate universe and then it wasn't. But maybe it was. Like if you really believe Lori was dead and killed herself, then this is all a dream. Mm -hmm. If you have room that she could at the bottom of the ocean, at the bottom of this St. James Harbor, whatever the hell it was, have a change of heart after talking to her kids, then – the you're open to it not being a dream and a delusion mm-hmm. but that's that's what we've been debating about the show and we're going to continue to debate it for years like i i don't know i i'm sorry that you had that that bad trip um maybe maybe you can watch it and reappreciate it some point in the future but you know it is what it is holy moly this podcast is going to be forever <laughs> all right positive takes i'm gonna try i'm gonna have to do some post-fact editing on this stuff uh, Sierra B, I cried my eyes out like a baby. I don't know how anyone else feels, but I love this show and how it ended and how this episode had me on the edge of my seat. The machine, the scene in the machine, holy hell. Now I was questioning every little thing I was seeing three quarters of the way, such as once Nora went through the machine. And Is it sh- a ghost in the shell pun? Is that all this was? <laughs> oh, Nora man. described herself as a ghost, right? She was. She's clearly She's in this like shell-like in a bubble. polymer shell. Yep. Uh, once Nora went through the machine and shows her in Australia with the gray hair, I was asking myself, is this another purgatory situation? Where the hell is she? Mm. You're supposed to. Mm-hmm. When Kevin showed up, you could clearly tell he knew her and remembered their history but pretended not to. Was that clear? Because I was not clear. I was entertaining I wasn't both possibilities. Yep. Um, showing Lori with a baby made me wonder, oh, my God, is Kevin visiting the other side? Apparently that's their granddaughter together, Penelope. Mm-hmm. Just pure mindfuckery. I was relieved when Kevin finally explained how he found her. I was amazed by Nora's story of the machine. I didn't feel silly to me at all. And like Kevin, I believe her too. Um, Mike H. I'm sure many viewers are. Uh, as many viewers are, I'm pretty pissed off at the reveal that Lori didn't kill herself. I won't, Oh, did I put a negative thing in the positive pile? Uh, Maybe it's only partly negative. Maybe. I won't call it Walking Dead level bullshit, but it's in the same league. However, one friend smart. Oh, that's right. It turns. Okay. One friend smarter than me, shout out to Kara, mentioned that this episode might not have been as effective without her presence because it adds ambiguity as to what plane of existence we are on. Yes, Kara. Thank you. The argument being that having Lori in this episode let it unfold in a way that it wasn't clear as if it would have been without her. I personally went through this episode until the very end thinking they were going to reveal that this was a hotel, and if not for Lori being in it, I might have been less likely to think that. Do you think this gives credence to the decision to keep Lori alive, or was this pretty clear emotional manipulation on the show's part? I think both are true, and I'm for it. You're against it. Yeah, I mean... Do you want to add more to it? I think it's very clear that Lori being in it makes it a much more up-in-the-air show, whereas if she wasn't in at the future at all and everyone agreed that she would committed suicide and that was that's a very putting a thumb on the other side of the scale of evidence right because Nora doesn't know the Lori's right. dead right and exactly. so in her if this is all in her mind it could certainly why be why wouldn't she yeah Lori's alive even though she actually did commit suicide by the way her Nora's reaction to Lori giving her permission to go to the dance 
And then Lori said, see you next week. And her just screaming. And God, I love that so much. That's that's Nora in a nutshell. Yep. Or in a polymer ball. (laughs) Uh, Karen from the Diamond Bar. Let's jump right into it. The finale left me feeling a bit empty. My boyfriend deduced it down to the whole series is about a love story of Kevin and Nora. um, And just happened to be set in a world of 2% of the population went missing or disappeared. Is that a stark contrast to Lost? I've always felt like Lost is essentially the means justify the end, where the mystery is so strong there doesn't seem to necessarily need an answer, which is debatable, of course. But the Mm. leftovers seem like the ends justify the means, where as long as we know Kevin and Nora made it, it doesn't matter what happened in the middle. What are your thoughts? Well, I haven't seen the end of Lost. Um, So I You saw everything up to the sixth season, right? Okay. Um, and I saw part of the sixth season, but I never finished it. Okay. So I don't know how that ends. It's really difficult to comment without knowing. Okay. Um, do you think that everything of uh, the leftovers except for Kevin and Nora's relationship is unimportant? That's where I'm like, I don't. That no, really because does a I lot mean, of disservice to Lori and Matt and especially Erica and John, who I know weren't as big as this season, but they were massive last season. I mean, I I think it does a disservice to Kevin and Nora. I mean, the journey here, yeah. in my mind, is just as important as whatever resolution we got. And if you say that no, it wasn't important, then are you saying that the scene between Erica and Nora desperately trying to kill each other emotionally, uh-huh. locked in single close-up face combat, was not – didn't have any meaning? Didn't tell you anything about if, it? Even if Erica was just a vehicle to understand Nora, that you didn't gain any more appreciation than Nora – I mean, like, that's – that's where, I mean, I guess he's he's saying the she. she's saying the, the events don't the events don't matter the the plot like, uh huh. But it's so tough to separate like the things that happen to these characters from their reactions to them. You yeah. know, I mean, the the series starts off with a big event that puts all this into motion, right? So I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Lucas G, this finale has me conf- has had conflicted reviews in my house tonight. My wife loved the finale and chose to believe Nora's story and took it for a fact. Meaning departure was explained. The ending tells a very glass-half-full view of the world that she really loved. I initially was upset that they attempted to explain the departure, since David Lindelof- Damon Lindelof said that he wasn't going to explain it. But after thinking about it more, I like the ending, because I don't believe Nora in the best possible way. I think this is another story she is telling herself, just like the opening scene. It's something you tell yourself and end up believing. The ending scene is filmed amazingly, and if it brings Nora happiness, who cares if it's a real story? At least the ending was not black and white for me, and it left me thinking, which is all that I wanted. Right. That's why I, I think it's so satisfying. I feel like, um, who, who's the woman? Brett Butler, Grace Under Fire yeah, yeah. woman. I, I feel like there's a lot of parallels to be drawn between Nora and that woman. Um, Nora as she ends up and that woman mm-hmm. as she was, you know, that, that woman just wanted to believe a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like Nora wouldn't let her and Nora wouldn't let herself just believe a thing. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I think she does. Um, she, she lets a, a untrue story be the thing she believes because it brings her comfort. And I, I think that has been a lot of Nora's journey is just learning to live with a slight mistruth um, that brings her comfort. Hmm. Whereas I think Kevin has gone the opposite trajectory and they've met in the middle. All right. 
Jason S., we are left with all these questions about what happened to them as they depart, as if they departed. We don't know in what realm they exist now. We experience, especially with Lori, the uncertainty that families of the departed experience. The feeling of uncertainty continues as we analyze how we feel about the show itself. How did it make me feel? Was the ending satisfying? Did we get answers to the questions we wanted to ask before it was over? Do we have closure? Leftovers is gone, and we don't really know what happened to it. We don't think it's dead. It's just gone. Hmm. Thank goodness for all the memories. I just hope I can get past the creators making me feel this way. Answers. Answers. I need answers. Or do <laughs> I? Perhaps I'll let the mystery be. Thanks to Iris DeMint for that wonderfully fitting sentiment. Uh, that's, that's her name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Iris and that's kind of like for the first hour or so after finale, I felt that tension inside me that I maybe wanted a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Something. I just wanted more. I wanted more. And I wasn't ever going to get it. And it took me a while to wrestle with those bittersweet feelings to get to the real how I felt emotionally about the episode. So, yep. And I, that's leftovers, baby. Tim B., my question is, do you think season three made the show any better? Seasons one and two stood fine on their own, and I wonder if this season was even necessary. For example, did we really need a show about Kevin Sr. but get almost no screen time for the Garvey children? I guess my only disappointment is that several great characters had little to do or didn't even appear much this season. Perhaps the stories were done being told and the focus needed to be on other characters. So this this was in the good pile, but it's more of an ambivalent one. Um, this is my talk about the stake. Do you think season three made the show any better? Yeah, I do. I think Nora had a little ways to go hmm. from season two. Because Kevin got his resolution. Kevin Kevin was at a moment where I could have believed that he would be happy. But I don't know about Nora. Yeah, I I wrestle with it made to show any better and necessary because no art is necessary. <laughs> sure, okay. but all art is necessary, uh-huh. um, and that's just a fact of matter. Like you can't eat art, you can't live in art. Um, although there's architects who would disagree, uh, you can't burn art for four, well, bad. You could probably do that too, but you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it doesn't it doesn't fit in the hi- the the hierarchy of needs, but. Yet, inevitably, from hundreds of thousands of years ago, we make art. Why? I don't know. It must be something. Like, with when all other needs are met, we do this thing to try to communicate with people and, 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 and share emotions. And uh, that's part of the human experience, the connectivity and, and, and togetherness and belonging. So is it necessary? No. But I'm glad it exists. You have any thoughts on that? Uh, on art in general? No. All right. Ben T. Um, right from the very beginning of this episode, with the conversation between Matt and Nora, I was in tears. I think a lot of this, that has to do with that we will never see these amazing characters again on our screens. Those two shared some amazing dialogue, and it felt very real. Then the interaction between Kevin and Nora was incredible. These two have so much chemistry. My question is, have you seen any actors playing characters that have had as much chemistry together? I don't think I have. Yes, you do have some great comedy acts, but as a serious drama, I personally don't think I've ever seen it. Um, oh, boy, you've, I, I've only seen one-tenth of one percent of all human endeavors when it comes to audiovisual entertainment. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to answer that question, but I will say this. Uh-huh. I think that Lindelof is a master of writing uh, very emotionally charged dialogue and interactions between characters. I think in Lost, he was very effective at that. And in here, I think in Leftovers, I think he has honed that craft even further 
and has gotten to a fundamental like just he just understands characters and and the way that they need to interact with each other and be honest or lie to each other in a way that a lot of other writers don't yeah and you also have to say that casting ridiculously beautiful and interesting people yeah which i think carrie coon and justin thoreau both are and i think that what matthew shepherd and evangeline lily uh matthew fox matthew fox and evangeline lily yep and you know like it's, and even uh, the guy who plays Sawyer, his name I can't remember. And they're different. They're not like they're not like Victoria's Secrets models, or they're not Fabio or whatever the you know Chippendale. <laughs> Sawyer's dancers. pretty close to Fabio. <laughs> okay, yeah, he true. <laughs> Retracted, but you know what I'm saying? Like Justin Theroux is it seems like he's interesting, and he's got an intelligence behind his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so does Carrie Coons, and they're also gorgeous in their own ways. And that is something you can't write or teach. Yeah. So, like, you could uh, – I, I feel like that's one of the reasons why, why you just can't tear your eyes off them because not only are they very good actors, they're very good-looking and interesting people, and they bring that in their roles, but they also then have A-plus writing, and then the music, and then the, yeah. the, the, the camera just loving looking. Like, all that comes together, and right. that's chemistry. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we see as chemistry. Have I seen better chemistry? I, I don't know. Like you get to, it's it's like one of those things. Is like when you I, people ask me what my top five favorite movies. Fuck, I don't know, man. I can tell you fifteen movies that I couldn't go without seeing. Like I I would be out like like that would knock me over with a feather anytime I watched them in any phase of my life. Mm-hmm. Which ones are better? Like how do I say? If Star Wars or like Empire Strikes Back is better than Godfather, is better than Lawrence of Arabia, is better than Memento, like, you know, yeah. well, how the hell do I even judge that? So Carrie Coon and Justin Thoreau have amazing chemistry and a lot of very skillful, talented people that you've never even heard of from the makeup to the costuming to Justin Thoreau getting up at five in the morning and doing stomach crunches. All that shit came and and came to the screen to make you feel that way mm-hmm. and we should give thanks to all those professionals for for doing that um ben t from the uk uh finally i just want to or i just want to say a big thank you i live in the uk and this has never been shown to my knowledge on any cable or terrestrial channels if it wasn't for bald move i would never have known of this hmm. series it's really powerful funny and so well directed and acted and written i'm not sure we'll ever see a series that makes me feel this way uh, again, but I'm grateful I had the chance to see something beautifully painful. This has been my favorite podcast you guys have done. I love them all, don't get me wrong. But I got a feeling with you guys especially uh, that this had a very powerful effect on you, as well as me, and this podcast is great to hear like-minded fans enjoying this beautiful work of art. I read this because I got at least a half a dozen people saying, I know you guys don't like praise and refuse to read it. We just don't read it because it's boring to others. Uh, yeah, like like – you know, we like it. <laughs> some of it's just boilerplate because, like, if you, if you, yeah, we like it. Yeah. We like, we're human beings, right? Uh, we feel bad when people send us bad emails and 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 tell us we're terrible. We feel really good when people tell us we're great. So never think that we don't appreciate it. It's all editorial because if I yeah. read every single paragraph where people said how much they loved it, like, it, first of all, it would be insufferable. Yeah. Second of all, our podcast would be another hour longer. So. I, I'm just because every once in a while I like to say that it's not that we don't like it. It's just that it's it's an editorial choice. Mm-hmm. So this is representative from very, very many emails. I want to say I was very touched because as much as I like to show 
hearing that my perspective or our perspective um, enhanced the enjoyment of something that if I, my, if, if I had my way, everyone would be forced to watch The Wire and The Leftovers and a few others. The fact that you did that and said that what I did enhanced your enjoyment is feels amazing. And when people say that I only watched this because you told me it was great and I loved it, feels amazing. So thank you. I, pre- yeah. I, I, I do appreciate all those thoughts that we get from people. And thanks and for I, Spaced. That's a pretty good <laughs> series that I haven't seen out here. And, and I wish I had the time to say everyone personally that, but I just don't. I just get way too much feedback to respond to everything personally. So I want to take the time to thank everybody. Yeah. Um, ben S., in my, cons- my opinion, the whole third season and the whole show, when you consider Holy Wayne, Guilty Remnant, Miracle, etc., has been about how everyone's trying to cope with the departure through different ways. Matt making Kevin a prophet, David Burton, the line cult, Kevin Sr. doing the song line, the French guy setting off nukes. Everyone is trying to resolve the same different way of understanding. Uh, at the end of every season, Kevin is faced with the reality, and that's his family, and that's important to him, not anything else. In the book of Kevin, he sees that again, but moreover, he's willing to sacrifice himself to help his family. Then in the end, when Nora is gone, he's distraught and spends the next 10 years looking at for her because that's what's important. The dream world could have had been all Kevin's head, or maybe not, but the important thing is he reconciled that he fucked up with Nora and knew that he couldn't live with that. Um, and then he says on the flip side, when Nora saw her family, as she said, she realized she was a ghost, but she thought she fucked up with Kevin and that she couldn't go back to him. The whole show has been spent with her trying to figure out why she's here, the Department of Sudden Departures, going to Miracle, the machine, but now it's more important that she simply is here. I agree with all those things that they said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I have. I mean, there's something that Lindelof said in the little making of where he said that the answer to people feeling sad and sorrowful and disconnected is family and love and neighbors and togetherness. And I think that's true. Our reaction is to like a wounded animal to go withdraw and drag ourselves into a cave and die. Mm -hmm. But what, what heals us ultimately is getting out and, and, and having new experiences and living with people and, and seeing their sorrows and knowing that we're not alone. Yeah. Getting past it. And that's important for me because I, very much identify the types that want to drag themselves into caves and die. Yeah, yeah, totally. I am certainly more of a in- introvert than I am an extrovert, although I do a good invitation of an extrovert from time to time. Uh, and I think that's a good message to, to hear for all of us. Mm. Uh, let's see. Kevin P., I feel like the fin- left finale ended in pure leftovers fashion by presenting one last ambiguous question for the fans to mull over for years to come. Um, I've read a lot of responses dealing with the impossibility of Nora's claims and how the bathroom scene is supposed to clue the viewer into her moments in the bubble. Um, but the ambiguity has and the ambiguity has to remain in order for the show's integrity withhold. Uh, I, for one, choose to believe Nora's story because just as I choose to believe in Christianity, it's in the face of such logical explanations that the miraculous events of leftovers divide men of science and men of faith. Hmm. There you go. Um, See, Michael McBee said that this thought the episode is a perfect encapsulation of the five steps of grief. One, denial. Nora denying Kevin is a name of importance to her. Two, anger. Nora instantly angry at Laurie, assuming that she's the reason Kevin found her. Three, bargaining. She flirts with the idea of trying with Kevin again in a broken, false way since he's acting like they were never together. Four, depression in the form of her bike crash and lowliness as she goes through the notes of love and then telling Kevin the story of her crossing over to departure world. And five, acceptance, which... I don't feel like we need to explain. That's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> uh, and a decent prison to see the episode in. 
Uh, Ross B says, was I only one watching the last 45 minutes of the finale thinking this was some sort of afterlife international hotel situation for Nora? I'm going to skip this because uh, I'm I don't afraid think we, you drank, were. we drank your milkshake. Yep. Uh, Alex B, this is officially dethroned Breaking Bad as my favorite show of all time. Whoa. What a masterpiece. I watched the finale with my friend and our wives after Nora's story. My friend and I both said, don't believe her. And our wives didn't understand why we wouldn't. <laughs> Which I think is the beauty of this ending. It wasn't ambiguous. We all wholeheartedly believed in our own interpretation. And even more perfectly, it doesn't matter. Lie or no lie, Nora and Kevin are together. Either Kevin believes the story or only tells himself he believes it because he'll do anything to be with Nora. The whole thing feels earned and carries so much weight. An expertly crafted finale. Final email, Eric A. And stick with me here because it, it turns around. My problem with Lori popping up alive in a wellness episode, despite the events which convinced me, spelled uh, or convinced myself spelling out her taking her own life in episode six certified. I have a very close connection to suicide as my father took his own life two years ago. At the time, I was 22, and this shape has shaped a great deal of my adult life. The Leftovers has been a great source of therapeutic unloading for me. The loss of someone close to you without any good explanation is a key point of this series, and I think suicide is one of the clearest representations of that. The sixth episode had me bawling throughout most of it because I saw what was going to happen and Lori was going to commit suicide. The episode portrayed her as a woman who no longer saw a purpose in life. Everyone around her had chosen to pursue supernatural powers or answers or hopes instead of facing her challenges head on. A final call from her kids would not be enough to stop her from cutting off her own oxygen supply and slowly drowning in the water. The nature of this episode would always have had me, uh, but this extra oomph of emotional connection sealed the deal. It loved it and it wrecked me. This episode undid all that. The thing I was so sure that the show was trying to tell me, the thing that connected me to a character in her journey like nothing before, and the deep-seated feeling of being betrayed by the show floored me. My heart sank, and I went through the stages of loss. And then I got along to rationalization. The theory crafter in my mind constructed an idea. This is not the proper Lori. Nora has gone to an alternate reality after getting out of the machine. Kevin doesn't really remember any of their history. All this alternative reality took hold, and I looked desperately for answers that would set my mind at ease. It became clear that Kevin, though, was lying, and he was trying a rom-com approach to getting back with her just for that lie, just for the fact that I had constructed this entire theory in my head and had it all dispelled so quickly, just so I could keep this character's suicide alive. I hated the episode, and my heart sank even lower. Lower. Then Nora told her story, and I sank again. They were giving us an answer, an answer I didn't want. Wow. It was an answer and a perfectly fine one at that, but I thought the show had been about ignoring it all. The show ended and ended beautifully, and I sat there betrayed, knowing on an intellectual level that it was a perfect ending for the show, but so disappointed the decision had been made. I'm still grappling with it. I've made some peace with the decision and loved the finale. The show, for me, is now the best on TV. It's dethroned Sopranos. I still don't like being tricked into thinking, feeling the things I felt and for trying to build a sandcastle of a theory only to have it knocked over as soon as it started. It felt like cheating and that I'd been lied to, but I have to face up to reality. This is what it is. Lori didn't die, whether it was some emotional resolve to see her kids again after that phone call or despair at knowing that there's nothing waiting for us on the other side. Lori decided not to punch her ticket. The emotional connection I forged with this fictional character and my dad is gone. I can't unwrite that emotional check, but I can say I love the finale. Hmm. I chose this one to end on because I felt like it was a pretty good... First of all, it's the most extreme example of someone hating the fact that Lori got unkilled. Sure. With very, yeah. like, just the way we have a personal connections material, a personal connection to resist that. And the 
story of him kind of coming to grips with that and having to let go of the preconceived notion and then finding a way that this was a perfect end for the movie of Leftovers. I mean, it doesn't sound like he enjoyed the ride, but he could still see the, the art and the beauty of it. And I thought that mm-hmm. was a kind of great way to maybe bridge the gap between the people that hated it and the people that loved it. Um, from a person that had every reason to not not respect the show and to say that that was a cheated decision. I don't know. Maybe maybe disagree with, with uh, me leaving it there, but uh, that's what I'm doing. So we will have – do you have any thoughts on that? No. I'm just going to let the mystery be. We will <laughs> – we will have uh, a wrap-up episode next week. Uh, send in your feedback for that to leftovers at baldmove.com, or you can discuss it on the forums, forums.baldmove.com. Um, we are also on social media, facebook.com slash baldmove and at baldmove on Instagram and Twitter uh, if you want to stay up with all the latest things going on at baldmove.com. Again, we'll be back next week to wrap things up. I kind of can't wait to dig into all the podcasts and videos and interviews that Lindelof has given in like the last 24 hours. He's incredible. He had to have used some kind of time machine to do it all. Um, but we'll be talking about that. We'll be having the people giving their defense for why they hated it. Uh, see if we can convince a few more that it's, that's great because that's ultimately our goal is for everyone to be happy. Um, but whatever. Next one is the, the no shit last episode. Um, we will see you then until then. I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya.